Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's the co-host and producer, uh, Zach Goodman. We're here coming to you live from our press box studios on a, I guess it's a beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, I, I don't know. It's supposed to rain in like an hour. Yeah, but it's not raining right now. True. So it's beautiful at the moment. At yeah, the moment. it's it's um it's a it's definitely overcast. It's a little chilly. It's in the mid to upper 40s. It's going to be a cold few days. Low to mid forties. The next the next few days here. You think you're in spring? Zach, of course, has been. He says he's sick. He was diagnosed with an upper respiratory infection like, like, like a year ago, then. like yeah. a year ago at least. Yeah, and it just hasn't gone away. Yeah. Um. I think it's. I think at this point, it's no longer upper respiratory. Yeah. And I think it's more allergies. I always get really bad seasonal allergies, and this is definitely what it is. Yeah. So, I, I think it's definitely seasonal yeah. allergies. And this poor guy, one day it's seventy two degrees, a few days later it's forty two. I know. Can't catch a break, and uh. Apparently, neither can the Orioles. Heston Kerstad, he's going to be out 8 to 12 weeks. That, that hamstring injury that he suffered on the Adley Rutschman uh, inside the park home run, they said it was day-to-day, apparently higher-grade strain than they originally yeah. thought. He's going to be out 8 to 12 weeks. Now, look, if this is something that's going to get his leg healthy and come in, hit the ground running, no pun intended, and, uh, and, and move on from that, okay. Take the 8 to 12 weeks, get that thing healed up. We've seen people come yeah. back from hamstring injuries plenty of times in the past. Um, it's just it's disheartening because of what he's gone through. He still hasn't played a professional baseball game. And he was drafted two years ago, right. uh, n- number two overall. And at the time, it was an underslot pick. And uh, Zach was doing his own draft show with Matt Pine um, and was not thrilled with the pick. Nobody was no. thrilled with the pick. But then you saw his profile, and you saw that he was arguably the best left-handed hitter in the country uh, for for an amateur, and the power, and you're like, and you you convince yourself to get on board with it. Now, look, we're not knocking the guy for having myocarditis. How can you, how can you avoid that? How can you stop right. that from happening? Is there something right. that happened to him? And certainly, the hamstring injury doesn't make him a bust. Right. Uh, injuries happen, and it's probably one of those things where he's so amped up. To be back on a baseball field and to yeah. get his professional career going, that he probably overdid it a bit, you know, trying to make something happen. I mean, diving right, sure. for a ball at the line. You can't. I don't know about you. When I play sports, and look, I've never been a professional. I'll never be a professional. But when I play sports, I can't turn it off. I don't go out yeah, there. I can't. Yeah. I can't be in a competitive environment unless I'm exhausted and like I just physically can't do it. I can't turn off the grit. I can't turn off the hustle. You know what I mean? And these guys are out there. He's not thinking about making a business decision at this point in his career. He's thinking, I need to impress. I need to prove that I'm that number two overall pick. Sure, yeah. And he hurt his hamstring. He'll get better. He'll hit the field. He'll hit some home runs, and we'll feel better about it. But right now, people are upset about it. I think the biggest concern for me is where his age is at compared to the level he's at. He's going to yeah. probably start at, what, Aberdeen, I think, is, is the move for him. Yeah. So you look at a guy who I believe he's 22 or 23 years old at this point is in Aberdeen. That's a little concerning. That's a pretty high – or that's pretty low level to be at with a high age. And that's kind of 
it's a little bit a little bit disheartening there that he would have moved a lot quicker if none yeah, of this had happened, I mean, and he probably would have been in AAA this year if not the major leagues at some point. Uh, drafted in the middle of a pandemic where he was never going to set yeah. foot on the field. They weren't going to send him to that alternate training site. Yeah. They, they, they draft him hoping maybe we can get something in the Arizona Fall League if that's a sure. thing. And then the next year, because of literally later that fall, because of COVID, yeah, we're assuming he's diagnosed with myocarditis. Uh, then he he's he's unable to play at any point last year because as soon as he started to ramp things back up, uh, he had inflammation in his heart again. Yep, and, and, and that's not something to mess around with. So he you, he loses basically a year and a third of development. Finally gets it behind him uh, this past off season. He's rearing and ready to go, and then the hamstring injury. Right. You can't label him a bust, right? Oh, no, not He'd yet. He'd only be entering his – but he, that's the thing. The number two oh, – and you're right. The number two overall pick in the draft, entering their second season of professional ball, which is what he should be entering, he should be on the cusp. Right. He, he should right. be on the cusp, and he's not. He won't be on the cusp until probably the middle of next year at best. At best, yeah. At, at that, this point. Yeah. And, and he was drafted out of college, which means he's, what, 24 right now? 23? I'm going to check on that, yeah. Uh, he, he's probably 23, probably will turn 24 either later this year or early next year. I would 23, yeah. Yeah, I, I would, when's, when's his birthday? February 12th. Right, so, so he'll be 24 before we can even talk about him being on the cusp of the major league. Exactly, and that's the most concerning thing to me. You see a guy with that age and, you know, I mean... Teams generally are bringing guys up later because of service time manipulation and all that. We know that. But this isn't even that case. This is just that Kerstad isn't on the field. He hasn't had time to prove himself, and he hasn't had time to perform and do anything, really. Um, and he's you know probably not going to be a major leaguer until he's 24-25, and that's very, very concerning, I think, for the Orioles. Um, and frankly, you know, Adley Rutschman, he's 24 years old, and he might... Uh, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure when his birthday is, but he might turn 25 at some point. No, he, during he season. just turned 25. It was just okay. Yeah, I, I so think, yeah, I think I feel so, like he has a February birthday also. So maybe the Orioles aren't all that concerned about it because Adley Rutschman's already that age, and you know, guys like Trey Mancini have come up at 25, 26 years old, made a great career out of themselves. But you look at a guy who's a number two overall pick, and you kind of want to see him in the majors at 23. And, and a little bit younger well, because he is that talented and he is that polished coming out of college. Well, and, and, and that's a problem with stuff like this. Yeah. You look at a guy like Bryce Harper, who was number one overall pick. He's in the big leagues at 19 because he got drafted out. He, right. He, for, he he had foregone his senior year in high school right. to go play Juco baseball. Yep. Right, so that he could be drafted a year earlier, yep. and, and he was, and he was on the field. He was on. A, he was. A, he was on the field on opening day at the age of nineteen yep. in twenty twelve. And then you look at Juan Soto, who's in the World Series at the age of twenty. He can't even participate yep. in. He didn't participate <laughs> in the champagne celebrations because he was twenty years old. Right when it, when his team won the World Series, and that's why the international draft is so important. International. Um, Prospects are so important, but that's not what we're talking about here. The, the, when a guy is drafted, a top draft pick out of college, right? It's weird to say it. You're already kind of behind the eight ball because yeah. you're you're 21, 22 years old when you're getting drafted, right. and you're not going straight to the major leagues. I mean, look at look at Andrew Vaughn. 
for example. Look how quickly Andrew Vaughn ascended. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's uh, you know played a full season for the White Sox last year, and he barely had any time in the minor leagues, uh, if, if at all. I'm not sure he he did, put no, he had, he had a season. Did, okay, he, he, had, he, had he had a season. season. I was trying to remember because 2020 obviously got thrown off, but he's a guy like Adley Rutschman who was drafted that year, um, and he quickly ascended, and and he he didn't have a great year, but he certainly had a decent enough year. His OPS was in the mid 700s, and he hit some you know hit like 15. Oh, Andrew, Andrew Vaughn to be a problem. He is long exactly. That's, he's and gonna that's, have a big year. And that's my point. And that guy is far ahead of a guy like Heston Kerstad and far ahead of even Adley Rutschman at this point because mm-hmm. he's already had a season in the majors and he's going to start on their opening day roster this year. Um, Spen- was- Spencer Torkelson is going to be on the opening day right. roster. Bobby Wood Jr. probably going to be up very soon if he's not on the, the opening day roster. There, there's not a probable... Bobby Wood yeah. Jr. is the starting third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. Exactly. Exactly. It's... The, the age when you get drafted out of college... And Bobby Witt Jr. is 20... 21? Uh, you might not even... Yeah, he's probably about 20. Uh, he, I think he's about 21. Because you have to remember that he was... In, he was a, I think he was a 19-year-old high school senior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was... A he little was, older. He was older for a high school senior. He was already 18 when he got drafted. Something like that. Bobby Wood Jr. is 21. Yeah, he's 20, He's 21 years old, and he's going to be on the opening day roster. You would love it if Adley Rutschman was 21 years old. Sure. But Bobby Wood Jr. got drafted out of high school. Rutschman, Kerstad, Colton Kalzer, they got drafted out of high school. I mean, out of, out of college. Uh, I know it's a different situation too, but Garrett Crochet on the White Sox is also a a really good uh, example because Crochet never played a minor league game. He was actually promoted in the year he was drafted, so stuff which like is that, so rare. But w- it, which is rare, but it, it it shows the polish of college guys and that they're so polished they shouldn't have to have that long ascension through the minor leagues, and instead they should be able to come up quickly. And, and it's so different with the Orioles prospects. Didn't I think. Dylan Bundy pitch the year he was drafted? Wasn't it he, he, 2012? He made his, he made he, yeah. was he drafted in 2012? Yeah, he he I'll made his big league de- debut in 2012 at the end of the season. I think he did in, in the bullpen in, in Boston yeah. out, out, out of the bullpen. I, I mean, it happens. Yeah. It's I mean Ben McDonald was the number one overall pick in the draft in June of of 1989, and he made his major league debut in August. Yeah, uh, it happens. It's rare. But it happens. That was never going to happen with Rutschman. It was never going to happen with Kerstad. But Kerstad's certainly behind the eight ball now. Needs to get on the field, and he needs to perform. Bundy was the year after, so he was drafted in 11 and then pitched in 12. But yeah. still, even so, that's rare itself. It, his in first full season of minor league ball, right. and he's, he made his major league debut. Because sometimes people are that good. 19 damn. years old. 19 years old for Damn Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy, man. Not not damn him. I mean, damn Dylan Bundy, I don't want to go down man. that road of sadness. Uh, like, what what he could have. And, and you, his high school coach. There was there was, he he pitched both ends of a doubleheader one time through through like over two hundred and sixty yep. pitches yep. and through every single inning. Uh, his high school coach had no care in the world. No. About getting him to the next level. No. He only cared about winning his state championships. I hope coaches have learned from that. The You'd like to example. think if if I'm the athletic uh, director of a high school, and I see that kind of you can't coach for me. Right. Because you're not thinking about you're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about the future of these kids. Yeah. And. Anyway, we're, we're getting off on a tangent here. Other stuff happened this week, and I didn't make any friends. Um, I guess I made some <laughs> friends, but I, I it wasn't I agree. like— I was with you. It, I, there were people that—more people than you think were with me because, come on. Come on, people. Trey Mancini and John Means. Trey Mancini files at $8 million. Orioles come in at $7.375 million. John Means files at $3.1 million. Orioles come in at $2.7 million. And Orioles fans had a collective conniption. How could you do this? It's Trey Mancini! How could you do this? He's worth every penny! Guys, I love Trey Mancini. 
Zach loves Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini is an inspiration. He's a hometown hero. Sure. Uh, for a guy who wasn't born here, he's as much a hometown hero as you can be. Homegrown talent with the Orioles. A guy who was an eighth-round draft pick out of Notre Dame who came up, who burst on the scene looking like a professional hitter. Yeah. Worked his ass off to get here. And he's the face of the franchise right now. I get it. I understand. But this is the business of baseball. It's a business. I'll say it again. It's said it last a... Week. It's, it's a bit, and this is a little bit different than sending a 15-year veteran who was a heart and soul of your franchise packing without even saying a word to him. This is a little bit different. Trey Mancini's going to be on your team this year. The difference is $625,000. Tyler O'Neill, and I keep making this argument, people don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it because it nullifies your point. Tyler O'Neill. Had a had a six point eight win season last year. He had thirty four home runs. Played Gold Glove defense out in left field. Yeah. He was offered seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars less by the Cardinals than what he filed for. Correct. And nobody is up in arms. He had a better year than the MVP. Bryce Harper's WAR last year was five point four. Yeah. He was almost a seven-win player. Better year than the MVP. O'Neal, and, O'Neal was arguably the best left fielder in baseball. And and, and the Cardinals undercut him yeah. by $750,000. And nobody gives an S. Because this is baseball. Every team... Look, you can, you can make an argument that the arbitration process is flawed. And we can talk about that if you want. Somewhat, yeah. But this is what... Baseball does. This, this, this is how teams operate. It's not a slight to Trey Mancini. It's what teams do. And let's be honest about this. Nobody wants to have this conversation. Trey didn't have a good year last year, guys. No. No. He was, he was worth .8. He was, he was a .8. He's the difference, maybe, between a 110-loss season and a 111-loss season. That's about it. That's about Tyler it. O'Neill. Is the difference between the Cardinals getting into the playoffs. Right. That's a seven-win player. Yeah. He's, he was worth six more wins than Trey Mancini, and he yeah. got undercut by more money than Trey Mancini did. Right. Because that's what teams do. Every team does it. Every it's, team it's does it. It's par for the course. It's what happens with every team, and it, this is why I always use that line. It's a business because this is the kind of decisions that have to be made, and it's not that the Orioles are being cheap or not wanting to pay Man- Mancini what he's due, but... It's just what they do. This is what teams. This is how teams operate. It's not to. It's not to be cheap. It's just how teams operate, and it's how the funds are allocated. Sometimes I don't have you know all the answers for you on why they do this and, and why teams are going to undercut guys. But because if a team can pay their player less, they, well, they will pay they're, their they're, player right. less. But it's not being cheap. It's just saving money and allocating it elsewhere. That's where I look at it as. And, and, and look, people made the argument, and I get the argument. They probably wouldn't care as much if the Orioles didn't already have the lowest payroll in baseball. They're at $30 yeah, million, and right. it's embarrassing. Right. I, I get that. Um, but what about what, – what have the Orioles done over the last four years that would make you think that suddenly they'd show a sign of good faith to a player? 
And there's really, again, there's no reason they have to. Right. There, uh, there really isn't a reason they have to show good faith and give them the money they ask. I mean, look, the players want as much money as possible. The the owners want to pay the players as little money as possible. That's what we saw in this entire CBA negotiations. This is no different. Yeah. It's the and, same and, thing. And look, I, I wrote an article for Utah Street Report uh, that came out yesterday about Trey Mancini. And yeah. he's probably going to be traded. Right. Uh, and, and people, you need to get on board with this. This is like uh, two years ago. It's going to happen. Guys. This is like two it's years ago happen. when Zach and I sat here and we said, or a year and a half ago when we sat here and we said, Hanser Alberto is not going to be an Oriole yep. in 2021. Renato Nunez, not yeah, going to be yeah. an Oriole. When, uh, and this is something that you guys love these players. You got to take your heart out of it. Yeah. In situations like these, with Trey Mancini, the writing is on the wall. Right. Look, I don't uh, know how much longer this is going to last, he, really. If he. He could come back this year and hit 280 Maybe. with 29 home runs and 87 RBIs and, and and 35 doubles. Yeah, and look like a hell of a baseball player again. And he's still not part of the Orioles' plans, guys. He's a free no. agent at the end of the year. They're not extending him. He's 30 years old and has no position. Right. The only reason that he's being trotted out into the outfield is to is to. Bump up his trade value. And I said it last week, but there are guys like this that cost less that you can replace with you can replace Trey Mancini with pretty easily. It's not that difficult to replace a guy like this. A, guys t- like this, a, a two two fifty five average no, with twenty one home runs and seventy two RBIs, right. or I'm sorry, seventy one RBIs. And you can find another corner outfielder or another first baseman very easily that can do that. But now, the, well, the, the thing is, the Orioles already have. Four or five corner outfielders right. that right. Are, that could put up better production than Trey Mancini at this point. Sure. And, and let, let me take a step back from that. Because I don't know that Kyle Stowers or Colton Kalzer could come out, or, or Robert Newstrom could come out right now and have a better year than Trey did last year. Because it's their first year. And, pr- and, 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 they're, and, they're, and they're still young guys. Yeah. I don't know that they could do that. But what they offer defensively and on the base paths is better than what Trey can do. Yes, yeah. It, it, it's better than what... And look, guys, again, I hope Trey comes out and hits 300 this year with 30 homers and 40 sure. doubles. I, I, I hope that he does that. But you need to come to grips with the fact that he is not going to be a Baltimore Oriole after 2022. And there's a chance, as Dan Conley wrote in The Athletic, that he might not be an Oriole by the time the season starts. That I I would take a step back on because they do want to up his trade value a bit for where it is. If he does have a great season, then you can maybe get a yeah. little more out of him. But I hate to say it, you're not going to get a lot out of him regardless. He's and, just and not that special of a, of a player at this point. It, and see, that's where I take a step back. See, Be, I, 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 just, I, I, I don't think... Hang po- on, okay. hang on, hang on. Okay. You take a step back from that because you do have to acknowledge the fact that while he had a bad year for Trey Mancini yeah. last year, yeah. he was barely above replacement level. Right, he's coming off chemotherapy, and, and, and we're not, and we're not. Hang on, and we're not talking about he he had chemotherapy a year. He he was six months removed from yes. chemotherapy yeah. when when the season started, and that has an impact on your body. He was noticeably thinner yeah. last year. He looks more like the normal Trey Mancini, at least body body wise, right now. That, than he did last year at any point, in my opinion. So you have to t- have to take that into account. Do I think that Trey's going to have a better year than this year than he did last year? Yes. Do I think Trey Mancini has peaked? Also, yes. I don't yeah. think that I, I don't think 
Trey is going to put up the numbers that he's put up in the past. I think that he's a guy who this year might hit 270, might hit 25 home runs, might drive in 80. Right. Which is a fine player, but the Orioles have like six of those guys in their roster in, in, exactly. in their in their organization. So yeah, that that's my point exactly is that he is coming off a bad season and that's why they're going to trot him out. And I, I highly doubt they're going to trade him before opening day. That would really make not a lot of sense for the Orioles given the fact that they can get his trade value higher if he has a better season. Yeah, the and only way that they do that is if is if and I and I don't and I think that Michael Elias is savvy enough, but I don't think he's going to I don't think I don't know the ownership is going to tell him he can do this. Is if you make a trade, say with the San Diego Padres, mm-hmm. and you trade for Eric Hosmer and you take on that contract, and by doing that you get a a, a higher prospect than you would otherwise sure. get for Trey Mancini. But that's also, and that's more a salary dump for the Padres, and they're basically saying thank you by giving you this prospect. Sure, that's the only way the trade gets traded before opening day. Now the thing is, the Orioles, it's it, it's a it's they're kind of playing with fire here. Because if Trey Mancini comes out and does what he did in 2021, he has zero trade value. Right, exactly. Uh, zero. Exactly. Uh, now, if he looks like 2019, somebody will... D- the Tampa Bay Rays would take a flyer on that. They'd sure. Put, they, yeah. they'd put Trey Mancini at first base well, he, or he, DH him uh, uh, to help him make a playoff run. He was like a 3.5-4 player in 2019. I mean, that's, yeah. that's certainly a guy that has trade value. But a guy who has you know .8 war for a year and it hits .255... Uh, there's not much there. There's not yeah. much you're going to get out of him. And, and look, we're, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper um, in Orioles banter today. We're going to have quite a bit of time for Orioles banter today. Uh, so we're, we're going to get into that a little bit more. Something else I want to get into, Adley Rutschman, no setbacks. Um, he, we're, we're hearing that he's probably going to take uh, start start getting back into baseball activity. He's been doing a lot of lower half work, a lot of leg work to keep his, 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 his lower half strong. Um, interesting to note that Mike Elias has not ruled out the Norfolk Tides opening day on April 5th right. for Rutschman, but he has ruled out April 8th in Tampa and April 11th in Baltimore. And some people are wondering, well, if Adley can play at Norfolk on April 5th, why can't he play for Baltimore on April 8th? They're going, because... They're going to use Norfolk as a rehab assignment. Right, exactly. For Rutschman. They're not using this as an outright assignment. This is where you're playing this year. It's a rehab assignment. It's the same thing as if, um, I I don't know, if Cedric Mullins strained his hamstring yesterday and he was going to be out for 10 days, okay, well, you're not going to be ready for opening day, but we'll send you down to Norfolk and we'll have you playing games down there. It's the exact same thing. Right, yeah. Rutschman will be ready to get into game action, but on April 5th, assuming... That everything goes well. Sure, he'll get into game action on April fifth in Norfolk. Spend a spend a week down there, and then maybe he'll be up in t- in time for uh, Zach and I go to this game on Easter Sunday and uh, see Adley Rutschman's yes, debut while, while everybody's eating ham and potatoes. Imagine that we'll be uh, watching Rutschman day. De- I, I can't imagine he'd debut on a Sunday. Yeah, but he's uh, a pretty religious guy, I think too. So that'd be interesting. But uh, well, uh, I mean, if he was on the team, he'd be, he'd be playing. You know what I mean? But sure. But, I mean, he is the savior of the franchise. He is, he is risen yeah, on Easter I was, Sunday. I was going to make the same joke, actually. I, I, I didn't know if that was uh, off limits a little bit. but No, no. <laughs> I mean, me and the Lord, we're tight. Oh, yeah. He, he, and I, he knows oh, yeah. that, I'm not, that I'm not blaspheming over here. Um, and then, br- quickly, uh, spring training well underway. We've seen some glimpses of good things, some glimpses of bad things. Some of the good. Uh, Kyle Braddish looked really good against the Yankees the other day. Some, some hard contact. But he uh, he held his own against the Yankees 
potential opening day lineup. Right. Uh, Zach Lowther pitched really well against the Red Sox. Now, the Red Sox didn't really trot out anybody of note, but against that competition, you want to see him have success, and he had a, a great deal of success. Two innings, right. one hit, yeah. one walk, three strikeouts. Uh, Zimmerman, who started that game against the Red Sox, gave up two moonshot home runs. Did strike out four batters in two innings, but he gave up three runs. Um You'd like to see uh, the breaking ball looked okay, but you'd like to see him kind of settle it down a little bit. But at this point in spring training, they're still working on stuff. Sure, yeah. I mean, this is the time to do that. Um, Michael Bauman and Grayson Rodriguez lit up in their in their in each of their appearances. Um, the good news about uh, so Grayson, I, I think he got three outs on nine pitches his first inning. Yes, and yep. then and then he came out the second inning. He threw like thirty four pitches or something like that, and it, it gave up four runs. Um, it just it just. Missing his spots a little bit, but that's probably nerves as much as anything else. That's okay. I mean, honestly, uh, it, it, you're not you, you can't about put it. too much into it. Yeah, you're, you're not worried about it. Michael Ballman, um, he gave up four runs, a couple of home runs. He, you can't put too much into that either. The, no. what, what you can put into it is that his average fastball velocity was up three miles per hour. Ballman's stuff looked pretty good to me. <laughs> well, it wasn't a bad. It wasn't bad where I felt like he was really missing his spots that badly. He just got hit around a little bit. It happens sometimes. And And then... While this is happening, we see another capable arm that the Orioles could have signed on the cheap. Zach Davies, five point five million to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and I get it, guys. The peripherals for him aren't great. Doesn't have a high spin rate. He doesn't throw very hard, but he knows how to pitch. The guy knows how to find success, and he he's done it. It, it doesn't work in his favor that the worst year of his career happened to be twenty twenty one. But the Orioles could have taken a flyer on Zach Davies. Oh, easily because right now. You're looking at your rotation, and you know you have memes. You know who you have, Jordan Lyles, who, by the way, was scratched from his start yesterday because of a stomach bug. Uh, there's, there's been a stomach flu going through uh, the clubhouse down there in Sarasota that's been affecting a lot of people. So um, Lyles uh, st- scratched from his start yesterday. Um, but after after memes and Lyles, what are we looking at? You're looking at Zimmerman, Lowther, Bradish. Is that is? Is that who we're probably looking at at this point? I don't see Bradish making the opening day rotation. I think he could. I, 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 th- I, I think that they're really high on him. Hyde was super impressed with his stuff. If he goes out there and continues to pitch well, you don't. he, he pitched all of last year at AAA. You don't really have a reason to send him back to AAA. I see Meads, Lyles, Zimmerman, and then the two open spots. With I, I think Lowther is a good possibility. And then right. I don't know who that last guy is. It could uh, be Bradish. Keegan Aiken hasn't... Uh, it could be Chris... Nah, it, it, it could be Chris Ellis. Could be, it, actually, I, that's going to be my guess. Yeah, I, think Chris it, Ellis. I think Chris Ellis probably, now that we, now we're talking about yeah. it, uh, does possibly make this starting rotation. Maybe ahead of Lowther. Yeah. Um, I think maybe Lowther, they wanted to get a little bit more seasoning. I've, I'm, I'm not totally sure. People are making a big deal out of his five-inning, one-run start against the Red Sox in his last start last yeah. year. And it's like, guys, it was five innings, and it was one, one outing. I mean, I hate to say it because I like Zach Lowther as a as a person, but I just don't believe he's a big league star. His stuff, uh, no, on a contending team, no, no. Uh, but his stuff looked good enough to me that I think that he could go out there. Maybe it's up to him. It, it, I, he's going to be one of those guys who gives you an, a decent start at some point in the year, but he's not going to give you one uh, day in day out. Yeah, uh, th- this is where we're at, guys. Look, the Orioles, we thought after they signed Jordan Lyles, oh, maybe they'll go sign. Even the beat writer said, oh, they're going to go sign another starting pitcher. They didn't. They haven't. Unless you consider Chris Ellis to the minor league deal. They haven't done it. This is These are their rotation options. You can say, oh, they have a lot of rotation options. You can say they have no rotation options because the guys that they have in-house, we saw what they did last year. Uh, not great. 
Not great. Uh, I'm displeased. We talked about it last week. Uh, I'm displeased with the Orioles' direction as far as starting pitching is concerned. I think it's un- it would be unbelievably wrong not to be. I mean, you have to be displeased with this. It's been irresponsible the way they've constructed this rotation, in my opinion. Yeah, you look at the way that the bullpen was taxed last year. The starting pitchers averaged, what, four and a third innings pitch yeah. per start, which was by far and away the worst in baseball last year. And it's not like we're asking them to go out and sign somebody who's going to make, who's going to help them turn a corner and get over the top. We need somebody, the Orioles need somebody that's going to give them innings. Right. It's going to give them innings and take some of the stress and the pressure off of that bullpen, which has a, has a lot of electric arms in it. And, and it, we're, we're beating the same drum over here. It's, it's every week this is what we talk about because it's so egregious that they haven't done anything for that starting rotation. They ignore it every week, week in, week out. Yeah, and, and with that in mind, we've got Stan the Fan Charles on the line uh, with us this morning. Good morning, Stan. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. Uh, st- we're still talking about the starting pitching, and we're talking about the fact that Zach Davies was an arm that the Orioles could have afforded. I mean, there's a lot of arms because they only have a $30 million payroll, but $5.5 million to the Diamondbacks. I get that his peripherals aren't great, and that he's kind of a soft tosser, but the guy seems to know how to pitch. He finds success year in and year out, and he signs for $5.5 million with another team. The Orioles haven't addressed the starting rotation. They have a bunch of the same in-house candidates that got lit up last year, what is your level of concern with this starting rotation right now? Because mine's probably at a, at, at, at a pretty high level. What starting rotation? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and first of all, the, the contract that Zach Davies got that I read was $1.5 million with $2.5 in, in incentives if he reaches a certain number of starts. So uh, you're talking about uh, pennies that it would have cost to bring in somebody like that who is a proven, in my opinion, a pr- in this day and age, 145 to 160 innings is an innings eater. Yeah. And compared to what the Orioles have right now, that's an innings eater. And uh, for some reason, they weren't uh, interested in uh, bringing back Zach Davies. I don't understand it. You know, had a brilliant year in 2020 in the shortened season, and, you know, then last year had an awful season, but still threw 148 innings and five point, like a 5.8 ERA, which on the Orioles wouldn't even be that bad. But I, my gut feeling is his poor performance last year was probably based on the fact he wasn't built up to pitch that many innings again. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, Stan, it's... Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think that the Orioles are done bringing other people in to fill out this rotation? Do you think it's all in-house candidates at this point? I mean, we're two weeks from the season starting. Yeah, I would pretty much. Although there's one candidate that I don't think anybody's talking about. Right now, tell me who you think the starting rotation consists of. Uh, right now, I think you're looking at John Means, Jordan yep. Lyles, Bruce Zimmerman, Chris Ellis, and then one of Kyle Bradish, Zach Louther, Keegan Aiken type of type of guys. Yeah. Well, Jim Hanneman's been touting the horn, and, and from what I understand, he's pretty on top of this thing down there in Sarasota. That they're they're intending not to use Tyler Wells as a closer. They want to stretch him out and have him as part of this rotation. 
He was a starter his entire minor league career. He was only in the bullpen last year because he hadn't pitched since 2018, and he was a, he was a Rule Five pick. I know he's right. getting, he's getting to start today or tomorrow uh, down there. He already had one start, so they're using him much more with that in mind right now than uh, than so so now suddenly if you pencil I'm I'm not saying you can pencil him in for 25 starts. But if you pencil him into the early season rotation, which apparently that's what they're thinking is, so now you've got Means, Lyles, and Wells as part of the rotation. Still not impressive, but at least it might give you a little insight into their their mindset. But but it it goes deeper than that with me. Other than the other than the trade of Bundy, where we got back, what did we get? Three pitchers or four pitchers? Four pitchers. Remember. Four, four pitchers. pitchers. Other than that, I, Mike Mike Elias is doing very little in terms of developing pitching that I can see um, on the face of it. Doesn't draft that many of many pitchers. Um, doesn't seem to you know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I think that if you're going to find one flaw. Uh, and, and look, depending on who you ask, there's a number of flaws. But for me, the one flaw, it, you're correct, is that he hasn't gone out and drafted pitchers. He hasn't brought pitchers into this organization. I do, I do think that he got a pretty fair, a pretty more than fair load for Dylan Bundy because you got Isaac Matson, who could be a, a solid reliever at some point. You got Kyle Bradish. You got Zach Peak out of out of that um, out of those trade out of that trade. And Bradish could be in your rotation in April if if he continues to pitch well. Uh, I like the idea of Tyler Wells being in the rotation. I'm more on board with a rotation. That, <clears throat> excuse me, with a rotation that's going to have a guy like Tyler Wells and a guy like Kyle Bradish, because those are guys that you can be excited about. Those are guys that, that you'd be willing to watch pitch. I'm not on board with trotting out Alexander Wells and Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer. You know what? You those guys aren't. They aren't big league rotation guys. Those they're to me at best bullpen arms at this point. Agreed. Uh, and and the other guy that was a little depressing to see start the first game of their. I understand spring training is not the first game of the playoffs. Yeah. But but to see Spencer Watkins out there is you know. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I, I nothing against the young man. He's a nice kid and all that. But he should be out looking for another line of work. To be honest with you, yeah, th- th- that's a guy that has independent leagues written all over him, and he's he's yeah. trotting out there in spring training for the Baltimore Orioles. Kind of shows you where they are with yep. with with their pitching. Now, I do believe that Mike Elias is the type of GM because he also did this in in they did this in Houston. I think he's going to go out and sign free agent pitchers, and I think he's going to go out there and trade for free agent pitchers. You saw him do it with Verlander and with Garrett Cole and with Zach Greinke. I think that's more the route that he takes, and that's why he spends so much time drafting bats because he's he's going to he's going to grow the bats and buy the arms, a little bit opposite of what Andy McPhail would do. So the, I, I, I'm 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 willing to give him a pass for now because I'm I'm anxious to see if he is willing to spend that money. Um, now moving on from Kyle Bradish. I, I just I just would add one thing though I I don't know that this organization is is going to to have the wherewithal as presently constituted to go out and buy arms especially where the price of arms is you know when when yeah. they went out when the Astros went out and traded for Garrett Cole and traded for Justin Verlander 
arms were in the, you know, 15, 18 million dollar range. They're now in the 40 million dollar range to buy the top arms for a season. You know, um, what gives you the impression that the Orioles, even when they're good again with young players, are going to spend, say, $80 million in a season on two arms, you know, that could take them over the top? I, I don't know. I'm well, not optimistic about I'm not optimistic about that scenario. Uh, the, what, what, I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, and I wouldn't say that I have the impression, but I'm willing to, to give them the opportunity to prove me wrong simply because of the fact that it's completely different leadership running this team. It's not Peter Angelos. It's John Angelos. It's, it's not Dan Duquette. It's Mike Elias. So it's, it's new leadership at the top that hasn't, had the, it hasn't really had an opportunity just yet to show us what they can do when they have a roster they, that they feel is built to win. So when that time comes, and, and Stan, honestly, I have to believe that's what they're going to do because otherwise you're looking at a barren farm system as far as pitching is concerned, and they don't really have any other choice but to do that. I also look at the fact that you're seeing more so these days guys like Trevor Bauer and Max Scherzer and Marcus Stroman where they go out and they sign these high average annual value deals but shorter term contracts, three years for $72 million in the case of Stroman or three years for $120 million in the case of uh, Trevor Bauer. I think that that's going to be more the trend with starting pitching these days where it's a higher average annual value in the shorter term. Okay. I just, again... I'm not. I, I totally understand the the desire to not to not draft the number one or two or three picks as as pitchers because of the injury issues that mm-hmm. you have. But I, I sure would like to see them taking a few more pitchers in the draft. I don't really think it's necessarily intentional. I think Elias is more just going with the best player on their board, um, which I think in the past two years has been cursed at Cowser, Obviously, um, you know I. I, I, I find it hard to believe they're intentionally Jack. avoiding I really, pitchers. I really don't see him taking okay, uh, pitcher, pitchers early. I think that's a philosophy that the injury risk is too great. So it's possible. But I'd sure like to see guys in the fifth to tenth round, you know, two or three pitchers each year. I mean, yeah. I, Elias is the guy who drafted. Well, it wasn't him directly, but He's he involved. was part of the the draft of Brady Aiken, who never was the one of the only number one overall picks and never to make the major league. So I guess there is a yeah. little bit of concern there injury wise for sure. They also, they and Appel. also drafted Mark Appel, they Appel too. Yeah. Drafted, they also drafted the other guy number one. Yeah, Mark, Mark Appel. Appel. Yeah, Mark Appel. Yeah, Mark yeah. Appel. And, and that, that, that's a, that's kind of a scenario in you burn me once, um, you know, I, I won't let you burn me again type of thing. That's not the saying, but you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. and, and but you know that he did go out and he and he went over he went on over slot on a guy like um, Carter Ballmer, Ballmer, yeah, Cody Ballmer, Car- Cody Ballmer. Th- thank you. Uh, he he went he went over slot on a guy like that. And, and, yep. I, and I also do think that if if the Orioles had the number one pick in the draft and the number one player on everybody's board by a wide margin was this was a certain starting pitcher, that he would take that starting. pitcher. I agree. Uh, but th- th- it just so happens that that hasn't been the case. You, I mean, uh, Casey Mize was a year before Elias got here. Yeah. Um, you look at a guy like Leiter, uh, who probably wasn't the top player in the draft, if we're being honest. Kumar Rocker, that he had some velocity issues and his control looked a little off his senior, his last year at Vanderbilt. So there hasn't been that pitcher that's been there where it's like, this is the guy you have to take. But, I, I think Leiter would have been taken if he was there for the Orioles. At probably, yeah. pro- probably. Um, 
but no, Stan, I do agree with you. I think that the Orioles have put more of an emphasis on college bats, and they need to sure. focus on. Yeah. You got to get pitching into this organization. Uh, but I also think that they have better guys at the lower levels than people are giving them credit for. Guys like well, uh, and they also uh, they may be using the international game as they, they may be loading up with seventeen, eighteen year olds that we don't really know the names of, yeah. and they may have a couple of those pop in the next couple of years. I just think again that that Mike probably gets about an A or A minus on every overall aspect except the ability to translate it into having the organization in good shape pitching-wise. Well, and let, let, let's talk about that for a little bit, about Mike Elias here a little bit, Stan. Um, as far as the grain, people are upset with him right now because the Orioles, they Trey Mancini filed at $8 million, uh, The Orioles filed at $7.375. Uh, John Means filed at $3.1 million, The Orioles filed at two point seven. The Orioles, as we all know, are a file and trial team in the arbitration. Uh, in the arbitration process, so they're going to go to a hearing with both of these guys, and people are upset uh, that they that they did this to their favorite players. When really, Stan, this is how baseball operates. This is how they've always operated, and every team does this. To me, it's much ado about nothing. What are your feelings on the arbitration process with John Means and Trey Mancini? You mean that they're taking them to uh, to arbitration? Yeah, uh, it's. Not rubbing me really the wrong way, you know. It's just, it's just their their philosophy, and they're not going to alter that philosophy for two popular players, you know. Yeah. Now, you know, I, it's not it's not worth a lot of ink or talk time. It just is what it is. I don't think there's anything you can read into that. But um, you know, look, chances are uh, with Trey Mancini. That if Trey has had the better season that Trey is having this year, is going to increase the likelihood that he's dealt, at, you know, in June yeah. or or July. You know? And that, and that's what Dan Conley wrote about in the Athletic the other day. And then I wrote an article kind of backing that up the other day. Uh, Trey, he he speculates that Trey could be gone before the season starts. Uh, I don't think that Zach and I are kind of in agreement I don't that, see that, that that's that probably not going to happen. But I think we need to talk about the fact that people need to, need to come to grips with the fact that Trey Mancini is not going to be a Baltimore Oriole after 2022. And he probably and there's a good chance he's not going to finish the season here. I would say that that's a high likelihood that he will not finish the season as an Oriole. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Stan, do you agree then that it's kind of because of the fact that where Trey is age-wise, he doesn't really have a position at this point, that he's kind of – Kind of squeezed out. He, there's not really a fit for a player like Trey Mancini on a on a ball club that after this year is probably looking to turn a corner. Well, if they're truly trying to turn a corner, not just not just worrying about dollars and cents, of course there's a place for Trey Mancini on this team. And it's his designated hitter slash first baseman sharing time with Mountcastle, but uh, but they would much rather turn him into. Two two prospects, you know. It's a, it's an economic thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. I I, I can it's, I can it's agree. All, it's all a ti- it's all really a timing issue. You know, Trey, if he was with say the Atlanta Braves, you know, as a kid, he probably would have a three or four year contract by now. You know. Yeah, I, it re- like you said, it, it's timing. It's, it's all really is where your franchise is. I guess my argument is that they have other guys that they can trot out there who are going to be younger, better, and cheaper than Trey Mancini after this year. 
And, yeah. and so for me, that's where the roster crunch kind of comes into I think the emphasis is on the cheaper part, you know, and yeah. I think they're, I think they're being penny wise and dollar foolish because Trey is, is the right guy to kind of build around. And he's the right guy that the fans really love a lot, you know, and, uh, you know, again, uh, they, they don't, they don't seem to put that much value in that. And to me, there's a great deal of value in that when you have a team of a team in an era of sort of vagabond baseball, it's nice to have one one guy that you can sort of know is there like the Rock of Gibraltar. Yeah, I, I get that. There there's certainly value to that. The one hundred percent. I I can't disagree. And again, with that. we're not talking about a guy that's gonna command a a six year $170 million contract. True. You're talking about uh, three years, $45 million, and you probably have Trey, you know. Yeah. I just don't know that, that Trey's a $15 million a year player at this point in his career. Now, look, that's that's all based on what I saw last year, and, and that's, a, that's a tough – that's a tough um, judgment to make because of what he was going through last year and what he was coming off of. I'm willing to yep. see what, what, what he can do this year, but I, I'm of the mindset that Trey's probably peaked as far as what his, his best years are going to be. I feel like 2019 was probably his peak, and he may get close to that, but I don't think he's going to touch those numbers again. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. It's, up, it's up to Trey to go out there and put up a good year this year. You know, the, yep. the, it's, it's that's all year. I hope for because it'll be good for the Orioles and it'll be good for Trey, and that's what I'm hoping. You know. um, Stan, are you reading anything into the fact that when the Orioles put their regulars out there um, – in a given spring training game, that Jorge Mateo is the starting shortstop more often than not. Well, I would think I would think with the with the pre, as presently constituted right now, that's the guy I would want in the lineup if he's healthy and he's doing. I haven't seen enough of him at short to say that he can handle the job of a shortstop day in and day out and give you 130, 140 starts, but. On tools, he's the guy I would want out there over Urias, and he's the guy I'd want out there over Richie Martin. Now, if if Richie Martin makes the team and you've got a one-run lead late in the ball game, I'm not saying I've seen enough of Mateo to at short to know whether I'd rather have Richie Martin in, you know, as a more solid defensive option late in a ball game. And see that that's where my worry comes from because Richie Martin's known to make a flashy play, but his his glove has been average. He's very very yeah, overall not not great with right. Richie Martin. And, yeah. and then Mateo, something about his throwing motion seems odd to me from shortstop. I don't know. I, I don't know that the, that the Orioles have a Chris Owings defensively might be the best shortstop as far as the glove is concerned that they have on the roster currently. I think Arias. I think that bat's too good to leave him out of the lineup. I think they. I, I don't understand Roof Neto Door in Baltimore at all. I would much rather have Arias playing second and Mateo playing short to start the year. If I'm being honest with myself, um, but Richie Martin, you you bring him up. Man, he's having a nice spring. Four for seven, all four hits are extra bases, three doubles, a home run, leading the team with five RBIs. Is he making a case to make this roster? You think he has a shot at it uh, come opening day? I think he's got a shot at it. You know, of course, injuries can always change, as Richie well knows, because he's had such injury history. 
but I don't think he came to the Orioles with a with a minor league history of being you know fragile or anything like that. So I would say that he's making the case, and I haven't done my roster jumble yet to to see where exactly he fits in. But you know, suddenly there's an injury to Orioles or an injury to Mateo. I think he's positioned himself nicely to be a strong option to make this team. Now, how about a guy like Jemai Jones, who's also swinging a hot stick right now? I, I feel like with him, it may, may not it may not matter how strong his spring is because there's other guys who are in front of him and they want to see him go down to Norfolk and have uh, 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 some more success at AAA than he did last year. But is there an outside shot at him making this roster? I would say very outside. You know, I, I'm not saying I've made a full and final determination on him. But I don't think his bat plays at the major league level. Yeah. I, just don't, I just don't see it. Yeah, the, 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 there's something about his game that, that, that I think you're right. It looks like there's some kind of hole in a swing or something where, where he, he doesn't fit, the, he doesn't pass the eye test. For I, I think his entire game is very average across the entire board, from the defense to the bat to the power to everything. I, I just don't think there's a spot for him above the others that they have in the organization. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've I would definitely agree with you, Zach. You know, I mean, the one thing he could possibly offer is that he could probably play second base a little bit of short and probably pop into center field a little bit because yeah. he's such a good athlete. But he he doesn't seem to put the barrel on the bat much at all. The barrel on the ball, you know. Yeah, it, 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 I... I... He's he's gotten he's gotten some hits this spring. I won't take that away yeah. from him, but I think we're all on the same page here. He doesn't pass our eye test uh, certainly. Now, yeah. some Yosniel Diaz uh, kind of he he's doing well for himself. Well, he's, just get, just getting back real quick though, back to Odor. I mean, to me, Odor is a for the Orioles should be a platoon player and bat again. See what he does just batting against right-handed pitching. For for the first two third first third of the season, and then make a determination. My gut feeling is he's going to be hitting about two two ten two fifteen with an on base percentage well under three. Which again, he's not somebody I would have picked up at all. No, I I don't I didn't understand the move then. I don't understand it now. I, I feel like you're just doing what you did with Michael Franco last year, but at second base rather than third. Uh, that's that's all I see out of Ruth Neto door, and I think you're taking time away from a guy like Urias, who I think could be an impact bat in the Orioles. I'm not talking a three or four hitter, but I think he's a guy who can put the barrel on the ball when you need him to. He can, he can put the ball in play, doesn't strike out a ton, and he can help you win ball games. I, I see more from Urias than than Odor. Yeah, that's why I say you know if a left-handed pitcher is pitching against the Orioles, I see Urias playing second base. You know, mm-hmm. and then then getting occasional starts over it short. That's the way I see it. Yeah, uh, and we'll see. I, I, I it, it's a head scratcher to me that at this point of your rebuild, you wouldn't want to see a guy like Arias um, play basically every day. But they gave him the opportunity last year, and he ended the season on the IL. So, uh, but he he had the surgery to, to repair things in the off season. We'll see. Uh, how that plays out for him this spring. Now, I was about to start talking a little bit about Yosniel Diaz. He's been driving the ball, showing himself well. DJ Stewart, uh, he, he took that pitch to the hand the other day. Doesn't look like he has a break, so that's good, but he's, he's going to be out for a few days. He might have to miss opening day. Is Yosniel Diaz making a play for this roster with the Orioles? 
haven't haven't really followed it close enough yet, you know, because I think one game has been on TV so far. I think um, I, so. I don't know exactly how he's doing, whether he's really hitting the ball well or he's just had a couple bloops come in. Uh, this is his time. I mean, there's really not a lot of time left for him to uh, prove himself to the Orioles. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I've. I have MLB TV, so I've seen the Orioles play about five or six times this spring, and I've seen Justin Neal Diaz drive the ball with authority quite a bit. Uh, he, well, that's, a, that's a better read on him than I have. Yeah, he had a monstrous home run to center field the other day. I think he hit another home run the other day. He, he's, hit, he's hit some doubles into the gaps, down the line. Um, and he even, I've, it, I've had, I've had, I have MLB TV, and, and I'm spending a good bit of time watching games. I haven't seen much of the Orioles at all, any. I haven't seen any Oriole games on MLB TV. It's funny. They're the only game not televised today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I watched the Tampa Bay feed yesterday. I watched the Yankees feed the other day. I've, I watched the Pittsburgh feed the other day. Um, okay. But, but yeah, no, he, he's been dry, even Even in his final bat yesterday, he hit the ball right on the screws but, but uh, flew out to right field. But it hit the ball right on the screws. He, he's been driving the ball with authority, Stan. I think that he's – I think he may realize it's now or never. For him yeah. at this point, so he, he, I think if he keeps swinging like that, we're going to see him. But it's up to him to keep the, key, the legs healthy. The key thing for him is going to be if he does get sent down, is not to have his head down and really just keep keep a good thing going. Because as sure as I'm sitting here, this outfield will have an injury. It'll be Hayes or Santander. One of them will get injured in the mm-hmm. first month of the season. And if Diaz is playing well at uh, Norfolk. Uh, he'd be first guy up, probably. Yeah, I would. I would imagine so, and I think you're absolutely correct. That we've seen too much with, with with the guys that you mentioned to think that an injury isn't likely at some point. Now, Stan, before I let you go, there's one yeah. other thing I want to ask you about. It wasn't in the notes, but I thought about it when I got to the studio today. There's a rule in place specifically for Shohei Otani. Um, if your pitcher is also your DH, they mm-hmm. can stay in as DH after being removed from the mound. Now we know that the, uh, there's a universal DH right now, so pitchers is complete. Pitchers hitting is completely a thing of the past. Do you have an issue with this rule? Because if Shohei Otani weren't in the league, this wouldn't be a thing. I still don't have a real problem with it. It makes sense to me that the the rule, you, you know, in other words, um, I'm I'm just unclear on what the old rule. In other words, if I had wanted, uh, it, okay, wait a minute. It, it all involves when he leaves the game as a pitcher, right? right? Correct. Right. I, I don't have a problem with this at all. I think uh, I think the club ha- should have the option if they want what supposedly is a lesser hitter to stay in the game. That should be their option, you know. Because yeah. clearly, in the case of Otani, he's not a lesser hitter. He's a better hitter, and I don't think his his ability to hit should be taken away from the team because of the overall designated hitter rule. Yeah, I, I just I guess I don't have a problem with it overall. I think it's more so the fact that they made up a rule for one specific player, uh, and, and then I look at it like if you have say that you have a guy who plays shortstop for you, and he's a really good offensive player, but his glove just isn't there. It, it, what's this? Why wouldn't you be able then to put a better defender in just to play the infield and have that guy still bat? The the guy who was there before him still bat. Uh, to me, it's it, it would be a similar thing to that, and I guess that's where I kind of get hung up on it. Okay. 
Um, so. I'm, I really haven't given it a great deal of thought. I read about it the other day, and it didn't really bother me. Yeah, no, just, just and, something. And you know, and you know, we say that Otani, the rule is for Otani. There's been a sprinkling now of two-way players that are popping up. You know, the McKay, uh, his career has gotten on track, off the track because of injuries. McKay on uh, that uh, on Tampa Bay. There's another guy. I know Mike Lorenzen plays some outfield from time to time because he's such a good hitter. Uh, so there's been a little bit of a sprinkle of, of two-way players yeah. that, uh, you know, that I think uh, – that, uh, that this rule makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and you know what? We could be entering a new era of baseball. And, I, and honestly, it could be a pretty cool era. So I, I, I think overall I'm on board with it. It was just a head scratch because when you see one rule implemented because of one player, it, it always makes you scratch your head. Yeah. So. But the big story for me here that uh, you're, you're talking about, I talked about it on the new segment Glenn and I are doing, One More Thing we're going to be doing each week, sort of a, something that falls through the cracks was the Zach Davies signing by the Diamondbacks and why the Orioles wouldn't have been all over that yeah. uh, for, for a million five guarantee um, and uh, the potential for 140, 160 innings. Um, I, I just, uh, it's mystifying to me. Yes, yeah, I put out a tweet um, the other day saying, explain to me why Zach Davies is in the world yet. It makes too much sense for it not to happen. And then literally the next day he signed with the Diamondbacks. And I, I was I was beside myself upset about it because it doesn't make sense yep. that they wouldn't have made an offer for him. Yep. All right, Stan, we will talk to you next week. You have a great weekend. Uh, we'll look forward to our next conversation. You too, guys. Bye. Right, take care. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment here on The Bat Around. I just want to remind you that Stan the Fan has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with former Orioles manager Dave Tremblay to discuss his new gig in the Major League Baseball Draft League. While Stan and Gary chat with former Coppin State guard turned college basketball media personality Aaron Robinson. You can find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back with you on Monday night for another great show. Guest TBD, but I'm sure it will be a good one as always. Also, just want to remind you that today's show, The Bat Around, is brought to you by Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. That's bpdrecruit.org. Org. We've got to get a break. When we come back from BaltimoreBaseball.com, the one, the only, Rich Dubroff. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me, and great talking to you. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Happy to talk with you guys. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Back live here on the Bat Around Today show brought to you by the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook, which is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. You can bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Plus... All live rewards members who make a $50 bet on any NCAA tournament game can register to win a $500 bracket bonus. And join Pressbox's Glenn Clark and former Terps and Dunbar star Rodney Elliott for the national championship game on Monday, April 4th in the FanDuel Sportsbook. They'll have great giveaways and will help you make some money. On the line now, one guy who's always money from BaltimoreBaseball.com, we have Rich Dubroff. Rich, how are you today? Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Great. I'm... I'm Pleasure. How are you guys doing? We're doing really well. Ready to get this season underway. I think we're doing a we're doing better than a lot of Orioles fans right now. Uh, Rich, they are very upset at the Orioles for filing under what Trey Mancini and John Means um, filed for. To me, this is business as usual. This is what baseball teams do. Every team does this. But people are upset that they that they that they undercut Trey Mancini. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I think, yes, every team does it, but every case is different. And I think these two cases are different. It would be one thing if it was Anthony Santander and Tanner Scott or Paul Fry okay. or Jorge Lopez, the other, uh, you know, the, the other arbitration eligible players. But with your best, you know, with your best pitcher, and your face of the franchise, who's gone through hell and back, I think that this is not um, 
this is not great. This is not great strategy. Uh, it just, it, it, you know, yes, I know it's, yes, I know it's business, but I, I think that in this case they could have, uh, you know, I think they could have come to a settlement had they tried a little harder. Yeah, you're you're probably right about that. Um, I think with Trey Rich, the writing might be a little bit on the wall. Uh, Dan Connolly put out an article the other day that uh, Trey is likely to be traded. Are you on the same page that you think that Trey is his days with the Orioles are winding down as we speak? Well, yes, and I and I've written that you know, and I've written that you know before, and I've also written that I thought that they should you know they should keep him around because I think he. He performs uh, something. He he is a valuable member of the team for a number of reasons. Yes, he's a good. Yes, he's a good player. Uh, yes, uh, you know, if they signed him to a, let's say a four-year contract, his stats might not be as good as they were. But you know, this is a very young team, mm-hmm. a team that's going to get younger, and they need a steady veteran around. And who better? to show players how to be an adult, how to, how to, you know, be mature, how to conduct yourself when things uh, don't go your way. Uh, I'm saying that mildly in his case, then Mancini, uh, because Mancini uh, handled an awful situation as well as he did, and then came back and played, you know, creditably last year, I mean that's that's a that's a that's a wonderful thing. You know, I I thought that they were going to trade him for you know a long time, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that people would be, you know, I think people would be very uh, upset if they traded him, let's say in July, and they got uh, a return that wasn't great. You know, uh, and I just don't like, uh, you know, I, I just would prefer that they kept him around and. And it would be, uh, you know, a good thing for the fans and a good thing for the ball club. Yeah, no, I, I think we can all agree. We all love Trey Mancini uh, as, as good of a baseball player as he is. He's, he's an even better human being. And he's great for the clubhouse, great for the community. He is the face of the franchise right now. Do you? Th- we've heard that there haven't really been extension talks. Do you think an extension for Trey Mancini at this point is off the table? I don't think it's off the table. I just don't think it's... I, I just don't think that it's in their, you know, I don't think it's in their horizons. I don't think that they're interested in, in doing, you know, in doing it. Um, you know, of course, we had a, a, a short winter, but still, they, you know, they could do it. And uh, they could do it now if they want, you know, they could do it now if they wanted to, but they're not. Uh, they've, you know, they could have done it, la- you know, they could have done it last year. They could have done it, you know, prior to December 2nd. So I think it is pretty obvious that they, you know, that they weren't, uh, there wasn't any impetus uh, towards doing, you know, towards doing it. And they could have done it a few, you know, they could have done it a few years ago. But I, I think that it's, uh, you know, it's going to be upsetting to a, a fan base that's had, you know, very little to cheer about for the past five years. Yeah, and then you look at their best starting pitcher in John Means, and they haven't approached. Maybe they have, but we haven't heard about them approaching no, him. About uh, they, they have not. Yeah, and then uh, it's amazing to me that he hasn't been offered some kind of an extension yet. Uh, then you look across baseball, people across baseball, people in Baltimore up in arms about the Orioles' thirty million dollar payroll. Uh, well, I would... their, their payroll, you know, the payroll payroll 
is also because it's a young team. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a lot of, you know, yes, it's yes, they haven't gone after big name free agents. Right. But, you know, when you, you know, when they get Rutschman and Henderson and Stowers and Westberg and Rodriguez and Hall and those guys up, they're all going to be making the minimum. That's true. So, so the the payroll is going to, you know, the payroll is going to be uh, very, very low for a while unless they go and they augment that with, um, you know, with more free agents. But, uh, you know, but I mean, but that's also, you know, that's also part and parcel of having a very young team. Yeah, now, now, with John Means, do you think the reason he hasn't been offered an extension is because he's had a shoulder issue every year that he's pitched at the big league level, or is it just because they're not at the point where they're ready to offer extensions to their players? I, I think they're not. The, I think they're not at the point where they want to offer an extension. And I think uh, you know, I, I, you know, I who knows how long uh, you know they'll keep they'll keep Means around. I, I don't know, um, but they they certainly need him. You know, I mean. Uh, they, other than Grayson Rodriguez and uh, D.L. Hall, they don't have a lot of great pitching prospects. Kyle Bradish, who pitched well the other night, looked good. You know, he looked good. You know, they have some. They have some guys, but I think they. Uh, you know, they need me. You know, they need means. They do. They, they need me. Too. They act. They need means more than they need Mancini, and they need Mancini. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, if they wanted to the trade, John. I think that there would be uh, there would be some uh, you know some really good offers. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm I'm in the camp where you either gotta you either gotta extend him or you gotta trade him. I, I don't think that I don't want them to trade him right now. I don't want them to trade him at all. I want them to extend him, but it's got to be one or the other. You you can't let this play out much further. I would imagine. Well, sure you can't. You can you you can you can let it play out for this season and next season. Okay. Uh, um, you know, and if he's good, you know, if and. And then, you know, let, let's see where you are. There's nothing wrong with seeing where you are next season, you know, because yeah. by next season, some of these young guys are going to come back, come up, and you'll see where the, you know, you see where the team is then. Now, you mentioned Kyle Bradish. He, he served himself well against the Yankees, a pretty representative uh, lineup for the Yankees the other night. He pitched almost the entire year last year at Norfolk. Does he have a shot at making this rotation out of spring training, or is this a guy who's probably ticketed back to Norfolk no matter what he does? Yeah. You know, I thought I thought that he was ticketed back to Norfolk, but I'm not so sure. Um, I mean, they you know, it's not like they have they have a lot of contenders for that for uh, rotation spots. Mm-hmm. They don't have outstanding contenders for the rotation spot, right? And it, it, and he's already pitched in AAA, even though he didn't pitch real well there. And you know he'll get another couple of starts here, and if he pitches well, why not? You know, yeah. uh, John Means uh, three years ago was an unlikely uh, person to uh, you know start the season with the Orioles, but he did. So I would uh, you know I, I would think that you know Bradish might have a shot here, which I might not have said a week ago. Uh, do you think that we're beyond the point where the Orioles are bringing anybody in from the outside? to contend for this rotation. Uh, we've watched guys like Pineda and Tyler Anderson and Zach Davies who could have been here at an affordable rate signed with other teams. Have the Orioles been doing their due diligence with this? Or are they kind of in the mindset that we're going to go with what we have internally and see what we have? No, I, I think that I think that they would consider somebody else. But, you know, again, if you sign – people were already behind Yeah. Um, when we started two weeks ago. 
and here, you know, and here, you know, you got 10 days left, you know, 10, 10 days left or 11 days left in, in spring training. And then you sign somebody, you know, you sign somebody now and they're not going to be able to help until the end of April. So, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't shock me, but, you know, I, I think that maybe Chris Ellis, but his signing was sort of uh, the second, uh, yeah. you know, the, the the second free agent starter that they were uh, they were thinking about. Yeah, I'm inclined to believe that Chris Ellis probably has the inside track. Despite the grand slam they give up, that happens every now and again. Uh, I, I'm inclined to believe he has the inside track at a rotation spot at this point. Um, some other camp battles going on. Rich, I'm still scratching my head over the Roof Neto door signing. I get that you get a veteran for the league minimum. Texas is paying paying him $12 million. Um, but this is a guy who I look at and I see Michael Franco 2.0 uh, just at second base. Uh, I'd be more inclined to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to run out there with Mateo playing shortstop and Arias playing second base. What is the fit for Odor on this team at this point? Well, for now they're still looking. You know, for now they're still looking at him. I I wouldn't compare him necessarily with Franco. I would think more of Yomer Sanchez, okay. who the Orioles signed. You know, the Orioles picked up on waivers, and um, they ended up uh, dropping him just before the uh, just before the season last year, when everybody thought that he was going to be the second baseman. So you know that certainly could happen to Odor. I don't you know I don't know. Uh, the infield is uh, the in, the infield is a, a really interesting question. Because you know you you mentioned Mateo and you have Ramon Urias and you have uh, Kelvin Gutierrez. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they picked up uh, someone on waivers. You know they've gone they've gone more than four months, and of course this includes you know most most of the lockout. But they've right. gone a, a really long time without picking up somebody on waivers, and a lot of teams have been you know claiming guys, and the Orioles haven't. But I I would think that that uh, that that streak will end soon, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you know there was a new infielder or two around here. Oh, yeah. uh, but but I think that the, I think that you know the infield is far from set. Uh, should we read anything into um, Jorge Mateo getting the bulk of the starts at shortstop when the regulars are in the lineup uh, to this point? No, because I think they want to. They, I think they want to look at him. I mean, they kind of know what Urias can do. Uh, Mateo, uh, they wanted to to look at more until he hurt his, uh, you know, until he hurt his back last year. Yeah. So I, I think that you know, there's certainly a place on the club for Mateo. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a place on the club for Urias. You know, uh, so we don't know what those places are going to be. If they're going to be starting shortstop, starting second baseman, utility. Uh, very, uh, very, just very hard to tell. Uh, you know, this, the whole spring training is weird. Um, yeah, it you know, is. It's it's weird because okay, we're halfway. You know, we're, we're you know more than halfway through spring training now. You we feel just like got we here. Just got started. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm you, you know usually usually you have you know ten days or so in uh, ten days or so in spring training. Uh, you know, to get started, pitchers and catchers report, position players report. Uh, then the first, you know, you have first 10 exhibition games, and those are sort of whatever. And now, <laughs> you know, now, now they've already played eight, eight games, and, you know, it's not necessarily whatever. 
uh, you have to look you have to look real closely at, at what's going you know what's going on in the field. You know, regulars are going to start to play a lot. Uh, they have an off day on on Tuesday, and from you know that those last eight games, the regulars are probably going to play you know play most of them. So it, it, you know, even even for somebody like me who's seen a lot of spring trainings, it, it's the, the clock is all the clock is all off, and it's certainly that way for uh, you know for the manager and the coaches. Uh, speaking of the clock, um, Adley Rutschman, he has the the right tricep strain. They they said he was going to be shut down for about two to three weeks. How close is he get to getting back to baseball activities? And Michael Elias said he's not rolling out uh, the the Norfolk opener on April fifth. We know he won't be here on opening day. So how close is he getting to getting back to baseball activities? And are they more so going to use Norfolk as a rehab assignment than anything else for Adley? I don't know. They they could use Bowie as a rehab assignment to start. I don't know. Um, I, I think that he's, you know, I, I think he's just, he's a bit away from, uh, you know, from, from, from doing that, from, you know, baseball activities. He's, he's certainly improving. He's certainly feeling, you know, he's certainly feeling better. Uh, but he's been out now, you know, two weeks. So, uh, you know, it's two weeks yesterday since the injury. Right. So I think, you know, maybe another week, uh, maybe another week before he starts, doing stuff and uh, you know i i think that it's best for people to sort of try and forget about it uh for another few weeks and uh you know and then if everything works well he'll be with the club for most of the season yeah i would i would imagine that that would be the case another guy heston kerstad got injured in the same intra-squad game. Talk about a demoralizing game down there. Um, and originally it was it was thought that it wasn't as serious, and now we find out that he's going to be out 8 to 12 weeks. Um, what, what's going on with Heston Kersad? How is it missed that this, that this uh, hamstring was as serious as it was when it initially happened? Well, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I, don't know the, I don't know the answer to, to that, uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's certainly – it's certainly awful. I mean, here's somebody who couldn't play last year for no or 2020 or 2021 for no fault of his own, and now uh, you know, and now and now this happens, and uh, you know. So I guess if you look at eight to twelve, if you look at the worst case uh, scenario, you know, he's not playing until June. Yeah. Uh, or well into you know, or well into June, but. You know, if he's as good as people think he is, he's going to make up. You know, he's going to make up the time. He's still a young guy, uh, but you know, I'm certainly disappointed in not being. I would have liked to have seen him. Yeah. You know, I've gotten to see in these games uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the good young prospects, and they look. You know, a lot of them look really good, and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to see what he looks like. I, you know, I still haven't met him. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen him in the flesh. You know, I haven't seen him in the flesh yet. Everybody else, you know, everybody else I've, I've, uh, I've met, or at least, you know, uh, you know, at least seen on the field. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all ready to meet Heston Kerstad. He's just got to get healthy and get back on the field, and then hopefully he hits the ground running when he does. Uh, Rich Dubroff, you can follow him at Rich Dubroff MLB on at Rich. Yes, at Rich Dubroff MLB. Rich, what do you have coming up uh, for us on BaltimoreBaseball.com? Well, every day we have uh, news from the news from the camp. The uh, clubhouse will be open in a few minutes, and I'll uh, uh, later this afternoon we'll have some uh, we'll we'll have some whatever news is out there. So at least uh, at least 
two posts a day from uh, from spring training. We'll be we'll be down here through the uh, opening series in uh, uh, Tampa Bay, and then we'll uh, we'll see everybody on opening day, uh, April 11th. All right, we are looking forward to it. Rich, always love when our, when our paths cross. We'll be talking to you pretty soon down the line, all right? You have a great weekend. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, as always. Absolutely. Take care. And that was Rich Dubrov joining us uh, back here on the Batteround. Rich is, Rich is such a dependable guy, and he always has great yes. content for us. So, uh, guys, head over to BaltimoreBaseball.com. They do an excellent job yep. over there. They have, a, I believe they still have Todd Karpovich doing minor league coverage for them as well. It's a really great website. If you're not reading it, you are missing out. You're also missing out if you don't own a Toyota. You can make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, we do have to catch our second break. Uh, I just want to remind everybody real quick, a, a, a serious issue here. We're all about sports betting here at PressBox. Lord knows that we have um, our partnerships with the FanDuel Sportsbook and whatnot, but we want you to, guys, we want you to pay your bills. You know what I mean? So if you we uh, we want you to be responsible about it. We want you to know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org uh, and you can nip it in the bud before it ever becomes a problem. Got to get a break. When we come back, we're going to have sounding off with Zach Goodman and Orioles banter on the bat around. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. The newest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 
including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Alright, welcome back to the bat around. Rolling right along here, right along, right, not right, right, up, right along. along. Apparently put out a tre- tweet that said that we were a rolling treat? right <laughs> a treat. A treat on Twitter. Uh that uh, said we were rolling right upon here yeah. with Rich Dubrock. Hey, it's okay. I know it's okay. You gotta um, get you gotta get Twitter blue so it, they can let you edit. That would be like Twitter the, blue, that's a thing? Yeah, it's like the um the paid service. It, it costs like some amount of money per month and you can edit tweets like the first minute after you tweet it or something oh, like that. Oh, well, so. I still would have missed that, missed the boat. Yeah, I'm not paying for that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not paying for that, but I still would <laughs> I, I just realized now I put that tweet out 25 oh, okay, minutes okay, ago. Okay, so okay, it gotcha. would would have done nothing for me. Yeah. Um Twitter blue, didn't know it was a thing. Yeah. All right. Um Again, rolling right along here on the batter. I've been a great show to this point. Again, special thanks to Rich Dubrow for coming on with us. He's always so great about it. Um, My phone's over there. Sorry, I left it over there, Paul. Thank no. you. Yeah. Appreciate we, it. We use our words here. He, yeah. just, he just pointed. I was like, what, my water bottle's glaring? <laughs> I, I, anyway, a um, lot, gr- lot of great content there. And, and, Rich and, is always and, really, and really the best. One of the things that we started talking about is John Means and mm-hmm. how the Orioles haven't approached him about an extension yet. Yeah. And, Zach, you want to sound off uh, on this because – and you and I are on the same page. Yeah. So go ahead. I don't want to steal any thunder from you. Your, your thoughts here on sounding off with Zach Goodman. Look, so I think that if you look at it from a realistic perspective, John Means is the best pitcher the Orioles have produced since Mike Messina. Uh, That's er- my Eric Bedard would like a word. Eric Bedard is there. I think he's definitely up there. But I think John Means... Okay, so we'll say since since Eric Bedard. We'll, 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 we'll amend it there. But I, I think that's a very fair argument from you. But John Means is the best pitcher the Orioles have produced in a very long time. It's it's over a decade. So we'll we'll just put it there. But he's been relatively consistent and somewhat durable for them so far throughout his career. He's, you know, he's been been on the Orioles for about three years now. He, his rookie year was an all-star, uh, put up some pretty decent numbers. Third in rookie of the year voting. Right. I mean, 2020, he was not great, but he bounced back, and, and he was going through a lot in 2020, well, as, as everyone was. He, he, he lost his father going yeah. through the pandemic. He was coming right. back from the arm injury, but his last four starts were as good as anybody right. in baseball. And then in 2021, uh, came out, threw a no-hitter, uh, missed about – a good amount of the season, about a third of the season, maybe a little bit more. Um, and, you know, he's he's bouncing back in, in 2022, hopefully, and, and coming back strong and asserting himself at the front of that rotation. I'm sure he'll start out there on opening day on April 8th. Uh, April 8th. Um, he's a guy that has been relatively good for the Orioles, and I would say that he's been elite in, in some scenarios when he's pitching at the top of his game and he's healthy. Uh, he can be an elite pitcher at those times. So 
I think the Orioles should extend John Means for five years and $75 million. I think that's, that's $15 million per year. I think that's a very fair price for John Means. I think any more you're getting into a little bit of, of dangerous the, territory with, yeah, uh, with a guy like that because he isn't the most durable. We've, we've talked about that. I mean, the guy's had shoulder injuries. He's had some issues. So you don't want to give him $20, $30 million a year. I think 15, 5 for 15, or 5 for 75, which is 15 a year, makes a lot of sense. And the Orioles have to get this done considering the amount of pitching they have in their farm system. Now, as you've talked about, you know, you've got John Panto, Zach Peake, some of these guys who are a little bit better, and, and maybe people don't know the name, like a Grayson Rodriguez and a D.L. Hall, but there just isn't that much in this organization pitching-wise. Why not keep the best pitcher you've produced for over a decade? You almost have to. I think John Means has to be a part of the next competitive yeah, team. Yeah, and, and if... Look, we're on the same page here. I think that John Means should be extended. I think 5 for 75... If the Orioles could get John Means for that number, they should sign up for that in blood. Uh, because I, I, I think a guy like John Means could possibly command more than that. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, but, a little but, bit but risky he, given the injury risk. G- given, given the shoulder inflammation yeah. that he seems to suffer year in and year out, um, and you look at what he did in the first half last year right. before the injury where his ERA was sub-3, and then after the injury, in 12 starts before the injury, his ERA was something like 268. Yeah. In 14 starts after the injury, his ERA was 488. Another thing you said, by the way, that I agree with is that if you don't extend him right now, just trade him. You you can't be stuck in between. Yeah, the, you, you can't get yourself into another Manny Machado situation. No. Right. And, and look, for, we don't, again, different leadership. I, I, I don't think that people... People don't realize it, it at I, all. I don't... It's very frustrating uh, uh, Ryan Blake, he um, put up a tweet yesterday when he read my article that said it was basically it says me and then my my Ryan Blake saying me and then my Twitter name shaking hands yeah. saying coming together to write articles for the first time in years because Orioles Twitter is annoying. Yeah, and, and, and people just lump in the Orioles. I get it; it's still owned by the Angelos family, but it's not Peter Angelos. Peter Angelos no. hasn't run this team in at least four years. No. I think the last major thing he did was signing Chris Davis. Um, it's a good way to good way to go out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go out, on, go out on top. Uh, but his son John is running the team, yeah. and John is given basically complete control of how this organization runs. Right. To Mike Elias, and you have Mike Elias, and you have Sigma Dell. It's different people running this organization. Yes, the thirty million dollar payroll sucks. Yeah, but Rich that's made a pretty Rich, brutal. Rich made a great point. It's a young team. Yeah, Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes are playing for the league minimum right now. Right, exactly. They're you not know, even in uh, arbitration. Jo- jo- yet. Sure. John Means it, it just hit arbitration. Yeah, you know, the, Trey Mancini is still in arbitration. This is a young team, so they're going to be paying playing sure. for the league minimum, and they're not at a point where adding Carlos Correa or adding Trevor Story makes much sense for them. They're at a point where this this year is huge. For evaluation. Yes. The, you're you're going to get a look at Grayson Rodriguez. You're going to get a look at D.L. Hall. You're going to get a look at Kyle Brash, Adley Rutschman. Kyle Stowers and Robert Newstrom are going to play Major League Baseball for the Baltimore oh, yeah. Orioles this year. Sooner rather than later. You know, you could see Joey Ortiz and Jordan Westberg at some point this yeah. year. I mean, Westberg in his first year of pro, uh, of pro ball played at three different levels. Yeah. He's probably starting in Norfolk this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe Bowie. To get I would say Bowie wet. for about a month, yeah. and then they'll move him up. But... I mean, against a big league pitcher the other day, he ripped a base hit off the wall. Right. Uh, these guys are going to get to the major leagues at some point. Most of the, a lot of these guys at some point this year, and you're going to see what you have, and then you supplement talent around what you have. 
That's how you run a, an organization. And they'll all be playing for that league minimum. Uh, yeah. Granted that they're not extended early, which we don't really see the Orioles doing outside of a guy like Adley Rutschman. Right. So, look, the Orioles, even when they're competitive, their payroll the first couple years might be $60, $70 million. Which is fine if they're competitive. Right. That's perfectly fine. I mean, that's what the Rays do. They're, they're right. $70 million, roughly. But that's because all these guys, are their their talent is still so young. Yeah. That, that, and be mad at baseball. Look, yeah. and... and I'm mad at the Orioles, not for not signing a $25 million pitcher. I'm mad at the Orioles for not signing a, a $1.5 million pitcher like Zach Davies. And the number was yeah. his report was $5.5 million. I, I'm guessing it's $5.5 million if he hits all of his incentives. Right, incentives, bonuses, all that. I, right. It, it's just kind of, it, it rubs the fan base the wrong way when you spend $7.9 million in free agency after you saw what these same pitchers that you're going to throw out there again this year did last year. Yeah. And uh, guys like Zach Lowther, I mean, sure, they make it a little better, but we don't see them getting a lot better. And that's yeah. and that's where we have the problem. It's not that they're not spending on Carlos Correa. It's that they're not spending on your Michael Pineda's of the world. That's the problem the Orioles have right now. Right, and, and again, it's not because we think that adding Michael Pineda or Zach Davies to this roster makes the Orioles a, 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 a competitive baseball team. Right, it makes them, it, a, it, a, it makes them better, it makes yeah. them more watchable, but more importantly... It makes the players around them better because you're not right. taxing them. You, right. The bullpen. The, you look is... at the bullpen. You look at guys like Paul Fry and, and Tanner. And Tanner Scott fell apart last year because he had a knee injury. Yeah. Right. But these guys, their arms are overused. Salser, another one. Yeah. They're, they're they're just overused. You need guys that can get. You need starters to average more than four and a third innings. Oh yeah, easily per start. Yeah. You you have to have those guys. In your rotation, they can get you innings. Now, look, the the idea of a rotation in 2023, and honestly, a rotation at some point this year, yeah, that's going to include John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, and DL Hall. That's exciting. Yeah, if you can't get excited about that in Baltimore, you're not paying attention. Oh, 100. percent. I, I I think that. It's coming, and like you said, it's going to be a low payroll to start, and eventually they'll start adding more more free agents and, and make trades. You know, hopefully that's that's the goal. Obviously down the road, sure they'll have maybe they'll have a hundred fifty million dollar, hundred sixty million dollar payroll at some point. But the the reality is that during this this transition phase, it's going to be a forty to seventy million dollar payroll somewhere in that gap. Um, but you look at what they have now. It's a little bit. It's a little bit low. It's right. a little bit ins- insultingly low. And, and and the whole point of this is you have the money to do it. The guy's a, yeah. a capable pitcher. Yeah. You should be extending John Means right now. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, 100%. And, and now, if you want to see if that shoulder in- if that shoulder injury last year and the way he pitched after it yeah. was more the norm than just a setback. Right. Okay. I remember when Adam Jones was the best player on the team, yeah. and they hadn't extended him. And then in May of 2012, they gave him this big eight-year or this big six-year, like 85 million dollar deal. I remember when that happened. I, I I don't think that that's. I'm trying to figure out the way to say it. I I can see it happening again with a guy like a John Means. Sure. Um, if he goes out there and he starts the year this year like he did last year. I can see them extending him in the middle of the season. Oh yeah, definitely. And look, WAR is a cumulative stat, and he put up four. Four war last year, which, you know, again, he missed a good third of the season, if not a little more. That's very impressive. Four mm-hmm. war, w- w- missing that much of the season, that shows you how valuable John Means is to this team and how much they need him. If John Means is gone again, say he say he's traded this year or he goes down with another injury, whatever happens, this team is completely different. That's four-win difference for this team. Uh, and, and 
to me, that's a guy you have to extend. That's a guy you've homegrown, you've produced, and that needs to stick around here for the long run. I, I really, really, really hope the Orioles start having extension talks because it was confirmed this week that, that they haven't been. So yeah, yeah. That's it was confirmed ca- on the show by Rich Dubrow that they right. haven't. And there was an article, I think, that came out this week that said uh, they haven't had extension talks with Trey Mancini. Uh, it might have been by Dan Connolly. I think yeah. that's, that's the one. And, and John Means either. And John Means was kind of the afterthought of that article because the article was about Trey. Uh, but it, it's so important to keep around the homegrown guys you have. I mean, pay your own. I mean, that's look at well, look what the Ravens do. It's a, it's a different sport, obviously. But if you look at what the Ravens do and how they consistently keep around their own, like Patrick Ricard coming back on a three-year deal, that's the kind of things that the Orioles need to start doing and start building that culture. It's all a part of culture, too. Yeah, if you're not going to go out and sign a free agent, and not, and and. To a certain extent, I don't expect you to. Uh, again, I expect them to supplement people into the rotation, yeah. which they haven't done aside from Lyles and they should and Chris Ellis. But the, and, and they should. But if you're not going to go out there and get other free agents, then start your payroll's thirty million guys. Right, start right. spending some money yeah. on who you already got here. Talk to Cedric Mullins about an extension. Talk sure. to to John Means about an extension. I'm not. Uh, and this is where, like last week, I, I I called you a bit callous for your. You are heavily breathing into the microphone. I know, dude. I know. Uh, not uh, not my fault. Look, it's you, not my you, fault. You, you you sound like somebody like standing over a pot pie or something. Really? Yeah. Is. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. Doing my best over here. Doing my best. Um, it's not the easiest show for him. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, uh, was, anyway, um, <laughs> um, I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, okay, okay. This is where I, I called you callous last week mm. for saying I don't care that the Braves didn't talk to Freddie Freeman. Whatever, it's it's a business. This is where I'm a little callous. I love Trey Mancini. I don't see a world in which the Orioles should extend him. No, and and, and, no. and, and Stan and Rich argued that Trey is the heart and soul of this team and what he means to this fan base and this community. That's why you would sign him. And he and he and you would DH him every day or play him at first base every day back and forth with Ryan There's Mountcastle. There's going to be better options. But, but that's the thing. That's, to me, that's very short-sighted because you're extending him and then you're just talking about this year. If you're extending him, you have to talk about the years of the contract. And if you're paying Trey Mancini $15 million a year, which I also think is a little much oh, yeah. for Trey. Way I, too I, much. I think if he signed for three years, $30 million, that's right around the ballpark that you should be able to get Trey Mancini at. Sure. But I think that with a guy like Trey... If you're looking at 2023 and you're looking at potentially having Kyle Stowers, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Colton Kalzer as your outfielders, one of those guys has got a DH. If you want Adley Rutschman to, to play 150 games but only 130 behind the plate, he's going to have to play first base or DH every now and again. And right. th- what it comes down to is, you're not playing Trey Mancini over Kyle Stowers and Colton Kalzer and Ryan Mountcastle and Adley Rutschman. It's that wouldn't be responsible. You know what I mean? Like I get what Trey means to this franchise and to, the, and to this community, but you have to look at baseball right. and what you're putting on the field, and you want the best options out there. People need to be able to take their hearts out of this thing for a minute and look at this realistically. And realistically. Do you want Trey Mancini to be on your team for the next five years, or do you want the Orioles to be a good baseball team? I mean, you can be we're a good, obviously taking the latter. You can you can be a good baseball team with Trey Mancini. You can, but you're limiting yourself, right? I mean, look, 
I, I, I'm with you. Trey Mancini, there is no reason to extend him at this point because the guy is, at, at this point, not a, re, a really good fit on the Orioles with the guys that they have coming up. I mean, there's again, we talk about it all the time, but there's Stowers, there's Newstrom, there's all these guys that could potentially be DHs, and honestly, they could potentially be better DHs. Heston Kerstad. If Heston Kerstad hits the ground sure. right when he gets back this year, sure. and you think that the bat plays, sure. that has he has DH written all over I mean, him. J.D. Mundy is coming. Uh, John Rhodes, I mean, Reed Trimble. There's so many guys uh, outside of your top guys like like Colton Kowser and, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's it's just coming to the point where the Orioles don't really have a spot for Mancini. Like you said before, he's getting squeezed out. And three years, $30 million, I mean, sure, maybe another team would do that. I wouldn't do that if I were the Orioles. I think that's... A little bit much, ten million for a guy like that. I'd rather allocate that twelve million or that ten million into a guy like a a, a nice starting pitcher. Look, if um, but that's just me. If, if Trey comes back this year and does what he did in twenty nineteen, that's a conversation you can have. I I, I still just, disagree. I, I, I don't think that he's going to do that. Well, first of all, I don't think I don't think so either. I think that's very very optimistic if you think that way. But second, even if he does, say he's a three and a half WAR player this year. I still wouldn't give him an extension. I really wouldn't. I would trade him. If he does that, there, there's some prospects you can get for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page. Get I, some pitching. But but at least you can have the conversation. The, the, the Maybe thing a bit is, more of one, yeah. Orioles fans, and God love you, Lord knows I'm one of you, you're not thinking clearly. And, and honestly, that's not even a fair no. thing. To, that's not even a fair thing to say because as, is, as per usual with everything in the world today, the it's a loud minority. It's a yeah. it's it's a loud minority. When I wrote that article, a lot of I had a lot of people that agreed with me. A lot of people that agreed with me. Yeah. It, the the writing's on the wall with Trey. And it is. And, and it it's, is. it's nothing personal with him. I, I don't think it's a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Yeah. And the, it, the, it, the, it, the the fact of the matter is, if I believe Trey Mancini was going to get an extension, I probably wouldn't have written written the article. This is what I know. Trey is a free agent at the end of the year. Right. The Orioles haven't offered him an extension. Right. He's 30 years old, and he doesn't have a position. You can put him at first base. You can put him in, in right field. Yeah. I. But I, he. But he's he's a DH, and he's leaving the Orioles at the end of the year. At 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 best case scenario for you. Right. Uh, if you want Trey around, is that he plays his full season um, with the Orioles, and then he leaves for nothing. If if that's what you want. I don't want that. No, I, I'd ra- if somebody's going to leave regardless. Why in the hell would you not want something? Why in the hell you're not yeah. you're not getting much of a return for Trey Mancini, but you're not getting a return at all if he leaves in sure. free agency. I think people will be relatively disappointed when they see it. You know, be a guy like Easton Lucas, like the guy the guy that got for Jonathan VR. And but I, that's but it's still I, something. I would have rather had Easton Lucas and the Orioles just cut VR. I would have rather had Easton Lucas than the Orioles just just cut VR. And to be fair, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. To be fair, Easton Lucas has pitched. Can you look up his numbers? Easton Lucas has pitched one one season. He was drafted the year that the Orioles traded for him. So it's not like we have a big sample size on Easton Lucas. But it's still better than if you just cut VR and got nothing for him. Getting a player gives you more of an opportunity for them to become something than getting nothing at all. Did not have a bad year at Aberdeen. Uh, three and one with a three nine six ERA. Uh, with a WHIP was one one point two four one. So not not bad. I mean, it's it's not bad at all. Right, serviceable. It, it, maybe that guy becomes a number five starter, or maybe that guy becomes a swing man sure, in the I bullpen. Mean, they're lottery tickets. That's what they are. Right. They could hit. 
Probably not, but, but they could hit. you got to have a lottery ticket to win the lottery. Right. No ticket, you right. don't win. Right. And if Trey Mancini walks at the end of the year, you got no ticket. Right. You got and, none. And we, we talked about it so often, but there's just so much there inside this Orioles organization that could replace Trey pretty easily. Even a guy like Tyler Nevin. I mean, throw him out for 100 games this year. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not high on Tyler I'm Nevin. Not, do you think he could get to .8 war this year? No. I think he could. I, I think Tyler Nevin's a 230 hitter at the big league level. But .8 war is not that hard to get to. There are a lot of scrubs that can put up .8 war. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I I, I'm, I hate to say it like that, but really that's not that that's not that. Yeah, much. and that, look, uh, Trey did not have a good year last year. I mean, and you understand why? Yeah, exactly. You, you, exactly. Uh, look, look, he he comes off chemotherapy. He bursts out the uh, uh, bursts out the gate. Yeah. Um, like gangbusters, you know, th- through May 31st. Yeah. He was hitting 278 with a 354 on base percentage. He had yeah. 11 home runs and 42 RBIs. He hit 243 the rest of the way, and he drove in 29 runs the rest of the way. I mean, I think Nevin, if he hits 230, puts up 25 home runs, that's about a point eight yeah, war player. Yeah, but Nevin didn't do that in AAA. I know he didn't, but I'm, I'm just saying Nevin that hit 227 at AAA last year. My, my point is more that how easy it is to replace Trey Mancini. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to... to help out Nevin's case here for the team. I, I'm not the biggest Nevin guy myself, but I'm just saying that this replacing Mancini is not as big of a deal as people think it's going to be, and I think people, once they see what the Orioles get for him and then who they replace him with, are going to be happier in the long run. If you're making the argument to Trey Mancini, because they're, they're trotting him out to left field and right field in spring training. Yeah, and, I, I don't and, support and, that. And they're saying that because, well, injuries happen. No, you're doing it to increase his trade value. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yosniel Diaz can come up the way he's been swinging the bat in spring training. He could put up a two WAR next year. Now, but but uh, see, and the thing maybe. is, it, and you see how easily it is to be fooled by spring training numbers. And Buck says, "Don't let spring and September numbers make a fool out of you." But Yosniel Diaz, it's now or never for him. Oh, hundred percent. Right? So this and, and DJ Stewart, there's a path now. DJ Stewart has a hand injury, right? So there's a path for him if he keeps swinging it. Uh, the Orioles are going to have him on the major league roster at some point. Look, I'll say this: if Yusniel Diaz is a two-war player, he's starting for this team, hundred percent. I mean, Santander was a, wasn't even close to that last year, and, and Austin Hayes was only about a two and a half WAR player. So, mm-hmm. if that's what he is, then great. I mean, that's a win for the Orioles if if that's Yusniel Diaz. And honestly, in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a win because he was the main piece in the tra- in the in the Manny Machado trade. But, but from where he's been, I mean, he hit yeah. one sixty one last year. I mean, yeah, the, the and he was had, and he was injured all year. Right. He's been injured ever since he got to Baltimore. The guy had an OPS of. 498 last year. So if he's coming up to the majors and he puts up a two war, I will be I will be over the moon with that. I mean that's yeah. a that's a win. Yeah, no, it's an excellent point. But my my point is that you have guys right now, and it's to your point. You have guys right now. I don't think Tyler Nevin's one of them, but you have guys right now in your organization Maybe a bad example. that that can replace Trey Mancini. Yeah, that can right. replace what Trey Mancini did last year. Right. The, you don't have that guy no. that can replace him in the clubhouse and in the community. Right. As far as you know, we're also discounting how big guys can be for this organization. What Cedric Mullins can mean to this organization, what Austin sure. Hayes, what Adley Rutschman can, what Ryan Mountcastle can mean. We, we act like Trey Mancini is the first and last guy to ever have this presence. Right. Adam Jones was here. Adam Jones's number hasn't been worn since he left here after 2018. Right. And he was sent packing too. I mean, there wasn't a big goodbye or anything for Adam Jones. No. He, that was one of the ones where I was a little bit, um, you know, I, 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 I 
don't want to say it's not a business because it is, but it felt like the Orioles did even less than what the uh, the Braves did with Freeman. I mean, it was it was just kind I mean, of they, they tried to trade him. It was kind of a nothing, right? They, yeah, they he, tried he to trade him to the be. Phillies, and he, and he had the five and ten rule, and it, yeah. so he nixed it. But if a guy like Adam Jones can be sent packing without any kind of fanfare, Trey Mancini will Trey, absolutely be right. And I feel like we're blinded because of the fact that of what he went through and right. how nice. Like I said. He's a better person than he is a ball player, and yes. he's a good ball player. Uh, yeah, we love Trey. He was he was Mo's best friend. Like we yeah. love Trey. It's nothing against Trey. The Orioles cannot make business decisions based on emotion. If you want the that'll or- get you in trouble. If, if you, you want that. the Orioles making business decisions about this franchise based on emotion, then you don't want to get better. Yeah, 100%. because there's a lot of guys that we really like. Sure. That I love Austin Hayes. I'm not sure he's part of this this, this team's future. Sure, it's up in the air. I mean, look at a guy like Evan Phillips. I loved Evan Phillips as a person. Really good guy. Not really a good pitcher. I mean, that's the way it is. It, you're going to find a lot of those guys that you're going to fall in love with, and that's going to become fan favorites. I'm going to tell you that right now. There are going to be so many guys that you're going to fall in love with in this rebuild, and then the Orioles will get rid of. I mean, look at look at Nate McLeod. People love Nate McLeod. I mean, did he get some big goodbye or anything when he was gone? He was a pretty big player for them in, in some playoff years. Years. And and look, it's that's how base, baseball a is. It's, it's a playoff year, I should say. Yeah, but that's how baseball is. It's the way it works. Is guys are going to leave? They're going to come and go. That's the business of baseball. And you can't get too attached to guys because next, you know, next thing you do, he, he might be gone. And it, Trey Mancini is the same way as anyone else, regardless of what he's been through. And I, unfortunately, we have to support that as as people who are fans of the game. I love how we kind of just transitioned straight from sounding off in the Orioles banter without really talking about it. Beautiful, right? right. It was, it was a good, it, but I mean, this is what we do. We, we sure. talk baseball. This is our favorite part. Of the, I mean, we love the show, but this is our favorite part of the show because we get to talk baseball for yeah. 40 minutes. Um, speaking of which, I just want to remind you that Orioles banter, well, first and foremost, um, nah, Orioles banter. Nah. Nah. <laughs> Orioles banter is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. We can we can bet on sports in Maryland, but we still can't bet online or on our phones. However, you can feel like you're betting and totally legally and right on your phone by playing Underdog Fantasy Football. Player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are all available. And even though football season ended, Underdog has great basketball and hockey games available. And in under two weeks, under the uh, baseball contest will will be coming at you on Underdog Fantasy Football plus. We're going to give you some free money to play with. Thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. You can go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX, and whatever you download up to $100, we will match. That's right, up to $100 you can use the press code, the, the code PRESSBOX with Underdog Fantasy Football. Back to Orioles Banter, your regularly scheduled programming. Um, look, Trey Mancini's on his way out. That, that's, that's what it comes down to. And people need to get on. You don't have to get on board with it if you don't like it. If you don't want to get on board with it, some, I, some people commented on my article that if the Orioles get rid of Trey Mancini, they'll never watch another game. Oh that's, boy, that's that's you'll, harsh. You'll change your mind in yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll watch a game. <laughs> you'll, you'll watch opening day. Like Trey Mancini's not. I'm not watching. No, you'll watch opening. Come on. Like Come on. let's let's be real here. And that's all we're being is real, right. guys. Uh, we 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 told you that this was going to happen. To, Honestly, like years to, ago. To, to Hanser Alberto yeah. and Renato Nunez. We told you this was going to happen to them. We've been saying the writing is on the wall for Mancini here. Since for last year. A long time. It's been yeah. a long time. I mean, we we, could, we we foresaw this, honestly. And and 
you haven't been paying attention if you haven't, because this team has been heading down the road, and Trey Mancini's been heading down a different one. And I think that's the kind of way... And it sucks. And it, it sucks, it, it, sure. it sucks because you look at Trey Mancini, and I, and I think that Nick Markakis was the better player. I think oh, Nick, yeah. Oh, Nick, not Nick even Mark close. Nick Markakis was a better player than Trey Mancini. Oh, yeah. But Nick Markakis... I mean, not Nick... Uh, Trey Mancini has been to the Orioles since he got here. What Nick Markakis was to the 2006 to 2011 Baltimore Orioles. He was that guy who showed up every day. Yeah. He was likable. He played hard. He produced on bad teams. That's what Nick Markakis was. And that's what Trey Mancini has been. Sure. And it sucks for that player. It sucks for that player that you're that guy and you don't get the opportunity. Now, now Nick Markakis, he did play in one postseason with the Orioles. He right. was there in 2012, but CC Sabathia broke his freaking thumb. Yeah. Um, so Nick missed the entire playoff run. But he was there in, in 2014, and Nick Nick got his, his taste of postseason play. And then, sure enough, got plenty of postseason play with the Braves. Trey Mancini may play in the postseason, not with the Baltimore Orioles. It ain't happening. As much as he wants to no. be here, as much as the fans want him to be here, if Trey Mancini's an Oriole beyond 2022, I will be 100% shocked. I'll be 100% shocked. You've got to be realistic about it. That's yeah. the way. That's what it comes down to. And I think that people are putting their emotions in front of their brain in, in this situation and saying that, oh, Trey Mancini, I'm, I'm never going to watch a game again. Like I think you will. Guys, uh, I think and, you and will. This isn't the first time this has happened. No. And it's not the last time no. that this is going to happen. It's going to happen over and over and over again. There's going to be a player that you love, that you attach yourself to, Oh yeah, that's going to go. All the time. It's going to happen year after year after year. And that, honestly, like if you look at what the Rays did, and if the Orioles follow that in any sort of capacity, there's going to be a lot of moving parts and a lot and of I don't think the Orioles are going to operate that way. No, but, they, not, they directly. Could op- not directly, but they'll operate similarly at, similarly, at times. Exactly. Guys... Because they are a lower payroll team. That's I the will, way it goes. I will never forget when Mike Mussina signed with the Yankees. Mike Mussina, I was 17. Mike Mussina is my favorite pitcher. Actually, I was 16. He okay. is my favorite pitcher in the history of baseball. I yeah. love Mike Mussina. And that's not necessarily popular around these parts because A, he went to the Yankees, and B, he went into the Hall of Fame without an emblem on his on his cap because he yeah. played for two franchises. Yeah. I love Mike Mussina. It made me phys- I- I'm not joking, physically ill when he signed with the Yankees. Like it I felt my heart break. It was devastating to me. And I got through it. And I sat through 12 years of losing baseball after that or 11 years of losing baseball after that, stuck around and it was worth it to see the Orioles make that 5-year run. Uh, guys, this happens all the time. All the time. In baseball. All the, time. All the time. Roger Clemens left the Red Sox. You know? Uh, Nolan Ryan left the Mets, and he left the Astros. And sure. Like, guys leave. Guys leave. It's going to happen again. And you love them. And again. And you again. love these guys, but they leave. Don't get too attached. I, I can't imagine you being college sports fans. If you're oh, or, or an NBA fan. Yeah. Um, if you're an NBA fan, get used to, you know, get used to that kind of culture in baseball. That's what's going to happen. And sports in general are headed in that direction. Yeah. Love Trey. Can't get upset if he leaves. No. Because no. I, my my allegiance is to the team, not Trey. Yeah. And I love Trey. And wherever he goes, I'll follow him and I'll wish him well. But if Trey leaves and the Orioles get really good, 
I'm not going to think twice about him not being here. No. And neither are no. you. No. Neither are you. You'll forget about it. Yeah. You'll, you'll forget about Just it. Just like you'll forget about the wall in left field. Yeah, that's. I, I think people already have, if we're being except a few that will not go named. My seats are right next to it. My seats really? are right next to it. I can't wait to sit on that wall with you, Paul. Not my seats for the for my 13-game plan. Oh, not the bad. game you're going with. Opening the, day. My opening day okay. seats. Okay. I, I, get, I get a fresh view with a fresh paint on that yeah. wall. Uh, on the open. I hope that they make it a video. By the board. way, I was. I, yeah, I, I wanted that. I hope I they make it make it a video board. By the way, though, yeah, have you seen the latest pictures of it? They still don't have anything. It's still concrete. They got they got two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a while though. I feel dude, like construction what, what, projects always take longer dude, than people I, expect. When I when I drove to. into the studio yesterday, yeah, at nine forty five, I'm coming down this road over here, and yeah. there's they had one side of the road blocked off, and there was about a fifty foot uh, long divot. In the road, like a deep divot in the road that was about a foot and a half, two feet wide. And that was at 9.45. When I left the show at 12, at 1 o'clock yesterday, the construction workers weren't even there anymore. It was patched up. Well, maybe they got them working on the uh, working on the wall down at Camden Yards. There's, I don't know. Do you, are you, is there honestly a worry that this wall is not going to oh, be done no, by no, opening I, day? I'm not concerned about it. It's more just a joke because I love talking about the wall. Yeah. The we, wall. They built a wall. They built the wall. They built one. Um... You know, so I, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing um, on Monday nights. I'm I'm gonna be doing a uh, the first one's actually this Monday with with Ryan Blake. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be doing this thing for Sideline Sports, where okay. I'm gonna be doing an Orioles show. It's it's a, a digital television show. Okay. Uh, Ryan and I are gonna be doing this every Monday night, mm-hmm. and we're looking for a name for the show, and I so wanted to call it "They Built a Wall," but you can't. Because that's so political. Because of Trump. Yeah, it's very political. I you, think. You, um, yeah, I mean, also the the novelty of that might wear off in a few years. Yeah. Given but, the fact that people are going to forget about right. it by May. So I, I think we're leaning towards Power Alley. I think I, I think that that's a not bad. I, I think that's the name that we're li- that we're leaning towards. But um, the whole point of me t- of me telling that story is that like I just I love the wall. I love the wall. I love the idea of the wall. Wow. I think it makes the team better on offensively and and um, pitching wise. I love it. I think it's the best thing they've done in Camden Yards in a lot. I don't love the wonky ninety degree angle. They're making Camden Yards great again. That's uh, but, as simple as that. Uh, but I, uh, man, we're just heading in a direction I don't think we want to go in. No, we definitely don't. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I I personally love the wall. But we spent so much time talking about the wall. We had to throw it in there every show for sure, one way or another. We got to we got to appease the listeners with the wall talk. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of, of appeasing the listeners, is that guy back? Uh, there's no comments in the entire show today. P- p- people comment. Let's go. We need to we, we we need to be able to hear your comments, make fun of your comments. That's no, I'm just kidding. We're not. No, gonna, no, we're, we're not, not going to make fun of them. I'm just, kidding. Just comment some, though. Some, some some stuff just can be a little bit over the top. I'm mo- kidding. Mo- moving on to things. Um, we talked a lot about Kyle Bradish today. Yep. Um, is Kyle Bradish a guy who you think has an opportunity to break this break camp in the rotation? I don't see it. Uh, I I think he will be here by May, at the latest, and possibly late April. But I don't see him breaking camp. I'd be surprised. We're reading a lot into two innings. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, if he comes out and he has a, a two or three more starts that look like that, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say we're reading into it too much because he is one of the better options they have. It's right. simple as that. It's right. Not but, like, but but we we took two innings and we took a guy who we all thought was ticket for Norfolk, and after two innings against a, a yeah. good Yankees lineup, we're thinking, oh, he's going to be in the rotation. He I might, hope he, he is. He might be. He might be. Brandon Hyde's raving about him. They gave him the opportunity to face that, that Yankees lineup yeah. under the lights. 
uh, in a primetime game. I, yeah. He, I, I feel like there are a lot of people who don't know about Kyle Bradish, and it's he's good. He's really good. I had a guy uh, interact with me on, on Twitter who said that he loved Kyle Bradish coming out of coming out of college and that Bradish he thought would have been a first-round pick if he had the velocity then that he has now. Yeah, the guy's really talented. I know it, or I think it was Matt Blood said they view him uh, up there with Theo Hall. I mean, they, they view him as almost as good of a pitcher. His they, they, breaking ball was filthy yeah. the other night. Yeah. I, I didn't know he could throw a lot. I've never seen him pitch. The guy is a very, very good his polished bra- pitcher. Because, like, look, I, I I have minor league TV. They just re-upped my subscription without asking me. I, I, I forgot that that's what they do. So yeah. I just spent 50 bucks. Last year I spent 30 bucks. This year I just spent 50 bucks on minor league TV against, wow. against my will. But whatever. But the feed for these minor league games is not great. So it's it's kind of fuzzy. It's basically standard definition on like a camcorder yeah. type of thing. It's not a prof- it's not like a, a professional broadcast, and so I've never really seen with great clarity Kyle Bradish pitch before. I've seen him pitch, yeah. but not the way I saw him pitch the other night. His stuff looked nasty. His stuff looked abs. His stuff looked nasty. I, I'm trying to interact with you here. And you, oh, I'm good. I'm I, I I'm just letting you finish. I don't want to uh, cut you off. Um. I, I saw the curveball too. The curveball looks really good. The guy cut down a lot of really good hitters, as you said. Um, I, I just think that based on the numbers he had in in you know the previous year in, in Norfolk, I don't know if they're going to go throw him out there. But I, I will say this: it makes the Orioles one hundred and fifty thousand percent more watchable. It does. It would absolutely. I mean, does. it really ha- ha- does. Having him in your rotation, uh, having Tyler Wells in the rotation, uh, I'm not a look, supporter look, of that. Look, what you what you got to realize here is that last year is the only time Tyler Wells has ever pitched in relief in his entire. Yeah, life. I just think why change a good thing, you know? Well, because you got you. He's replaced by Felix Bautista. Well, yeah, that's true. Bautista is a a flamethrower. Who who, who throws triple digits. By the way, when I used to work at Aberdeen, I want to say I was 18 or 19, um, I was standing there with another usher, and Felix Bautista took the mound. I think it was one of the first appearances he ever had. He's huge. We looked at him, and I was like, that guy's going to be a big leaguer one day. We saw him throw 99, and I was like, yeah, that guy's going to be a big leaguer one day. Yeah, uh, he's going to be a big leaguer on opening day. Yeah, he probably will. Especially now that they're expanding the rosters to 28. Right. Makes Uh, sense to throw him on there. Yeah, he's going to be in that bullpen. It makes sense to me. Tyler Wells has a four-pitch mix. He had the lowest whip on your your team Uh. last year. He and he has that that fortitude, that intestinal fortitude to yeah. pitch. Uh, putting him in your rotation, why the hell not? I, I if, just, if it doesn't work, Zach, you can put him back in the bullpen. Yeah, and if it does work, you got a starter. Honestly, credit to Stan because that's something I hadn't even considered before that he could be in the opening day rotation. Now I'm thinking about it, and it makes more and more sense given the options they have. I think Chris Ellis. I, I think he's. Close to solidifying himself a spot if he has a good spring heat. Now, he didn't have a first good start, obviously. But Chris Ellis, you know, he has the 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 six starts last year that look really good. Like a 2-4-5 ERA, something really nice like that. So he is an inside track for me. Uh, but that fifth spot, I mean, it's wide open. It's yeah, wide open. It, it, look, it, I've been upset about what the Orioles have, have done um, regarding... Starting uh, pitching. Re- regarding starting pitching this, yeah. this, this offseason. Yeah. Um, I've been upset with it, but when you tell me that maybe the opening day rotation is Means, Lyles, Wells, Bradish, and Zimmerman, yeah, I don't hate that. Oh, I get a Look, lot I, more excited. I, 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 I don't think that that's a rotation that suddenly makes you a contender or makes you a 500 ball club. No, but I think it's a rotation that I don't mind seeing every five every day. No, I mean that's there's a few guys in there that are legitimate potential pieces, um, especially Wells and Bradish. I mean, so 
I would be very, very inclined to watch that. And obviously, John Means is already established, and Jordan Lyles is established. You get two wild cards in there with with a Bradish and a and a Wells, and then you throw two established guys out there. You leave one spot open, and yeah, that's not bad. And, and then here's the other thing. I think Bruce Zimmerman, by the way, is really a lock too. Yeah, I, I think he's a lock too. Yeah. Here's the other thing about it. Two of those guys are placeholders. Yeah. Because Grayson Rodriguez and DL and DL Hall are coming. Right. And they're coming this year. And maybe that's why the Orioles didn't sign Michael Pineda. I, I don't want to think that's the reason because, again, you can't rely so much on a guy like Kyle Bradish and a guy like Tyler Wells because we saw what happened when they relied on Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer last year. It's the same situation that, except they're better God, pitchers. Dean Kramer's the most... I almost cursed. He's the most freaking frustrating yeah. guy because yeah. the stuff is there. Oh, yeah. And he just can't throw strikes. Throws a great cutter. Good two, uh, good 12-6. Fastball is pretty good at times. Gets a little arm side fade to it. So if he can put it all together again and throw strikes, Dean Kramer's going to be in a good spot. The, the problem with Dean Kramer is that he has such a hard time locating. Yeah. And then he throws you... Uh, uh, a wheelhouse fastball to right. get back into the count, and it goes a mile. So when he's bad, what I notice from him is his cutter stops breaking. It just it's basically an eighty-eight mile an hour fastball right down the middle, and mm-hmm. that's when you get yourself in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the curveball is good, but he has a tendency to hang it. He and he missed so it, many times low with that last year. He would just bounce it in the dirt so many times, yeah. and I would go, Dean. You know, I, I I've seen you throw this for strikes. Throw up for strikes. Yeah, personal conversations between Zach and Dean. Of course, Dean, we, Dean, have, what are, what are we doing, have those bro? conversations all the time. Yeah, me, me and Dean are tight. We we talk on the phone every we, Friday. We night. do, we do. Um, yeah, no, Dean Kramer's, a, and, and I still have a modicum of hope for him. Um, More than the guy like Keegan Aiken. But I, mean. I I, I want to see him go down to Norfolk and dominate. Yeah, I want to yeah. see him go to Norfolk and me dominate. Too. And but you ha- and getting back to Kyle Bradish for a second, when Adley sure. Rutschman got to Norfolk. Kyle Bradish got 100% signif- better. Yeah. significantly better. Well, Adley Rutschman makes everyone better. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think, you know, we, you talked about that team leadership aspect of Trey Mancini. That's mm-hmm. Adley Rutschman. That guy's, yeah. that guy's a born leader. Yeah, you... you, you Adley Rutschman is going to help you forget about Trey Mancini. And oh, not, and yeah. Not, and not that, guys, I, I, I hate this because I know how I sound. I don't want to forget about Trey Mancini. I love Trey Mancini as much as the next guy. I'm, I'm, I don't want to beat this into the ground. I don't want you to think that I'm a, that I'm just casting him aside and getting and throwing him out. That's not what I'm doing with Trey Mancini. I just know that there's going to be other guys that are going to come in here and they're going to they're they're going to they're going to squeeze at your heart, pull at your heartstrings. Right. It's and and, and Ali Rutschman is a guy like that, and so is Cedric Mullins. For, the, for yeah. that matter, Cedric people are going to attach to. I think yeah, they already uh, probably have. Yeah. Um, and. and there's just there's gonna be other guys. There will be. There's gonna there be other be. players. Simple like, as that. Just. <sighs> I think you got it out of your system. The Trey you know? Mancini, uh, the Trey Mancini talk. Uh, that that, but that's more so like guys. Let's just let's take a breath. Yeah, I I think Orioles fans need to to look a little more realistically at a lot of things. I think there there's always a and that's every fan base um, can get off track a little bit with their with their views and maybe getting a little too attached to some guys and forgetting that baseball. I don't want to say it again, but it's a business. It's yeah, way, it's the way it is. Yeah, it. In most of the time, when you say that, I agree with you. The Freddie Freeman thing is is another. And Zach, we we won't have. Oh look, we don't have to go Zach, through that for Zach, like the fifth time. Zach, this sweet boy. We don't have to go Zach, through Freddie Freeman the fifth. Or like, I mean, we we have we have pounded that to the ground. It's I mean, my we, show. I'm gonna do it. Oh, uh, 
Oh boy. Zach and I played golf on Sunday. Oh and, no. And, and he says to me, he's like, I don't want you to I'm think I'm a. You. He says, I don't want you to think I'm a bad. Oh, you mute me. We're getting a new producer. <laughs> um, he says, I don't want you to think I'm a bad guy. I'm a nice guy. And I'm like, I know you're a nice guy. I just thought you were cold about Freddie. You were, you were pretty upset about that. I I thought it was a really really cold take, uh, but. Uh, you were you just admitted Look, on the air that you were upset at how they handled Adam Jones. Oh, not really. I wasn't upset. I just think it was a little different than Freeman personally. I I thought I simply Adam Jones went to Arizona and he didn't get paid a lot and three it million, won, three million. Freddie Freeman made a hundred and sixty something million dollars. I don't care about his his you know his little uh, thank now, you letter. Now I, we, we are getting further into this. All I was trying to do was give you credit that Zach is a nice guy. I just thought <laughs> somewhat. No, I'm just particularly I, cold with the Freddie Freeman thing. That's fine, guys. Just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the newest edition of Press Box, which is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA tournament championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later plus Juan Dixon Lonnie Baxter and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led to them cutting down the nets in Atlanta press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles Ravens and Terps at pressboxonline.com we got to catch our final break. When we come back in, some trivia to, to wind things down here on The Bet Around. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 
including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. You hear that beautiful oh, music? I do, I do. All right, I've got a, I've got a trivia question for you. You want me to do that read yes, first? Uh, do the read first. All right, we will do that. Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on YouTube, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with new Ravens safety Marcus Williams, re-signed Ravens fullback Patrick Ricard, and new Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard, and former Ravens offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, I'm trying to... Uh... Give, me a, uh, give me a hard one here, Paul. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I'd, I'd like it to be easy, but it's an, up to you. You want an easy one? Up to you. All right, I'll give you an easy one. Okay. Have I, have I have I done forty homer seasons for the Orioles with you? I think we might have, but I can but try we, it again. We, I don't I don't know them off the top of my head, but um, I can I can give uh, it a shot. We got Chris Davis. We got eh. a little Mark Trumbo. A little, little, little Mark Trumbo action. Um, I'm going to give you a hard one. Oh boy, because okay. you, you love war. I do love war. The Orioles, in the history of the Baltimore Orioles franchise, okay. one two. I'm not counting the St. Louis Browns. I don't count. I, I wish that the Indianapolis, I know. the Indianapolis Colts didn't count the Baltimore Colts stats yeah. as theirs. Yeah, that's weird. Because it, like the St. Louis Browns, you weren't not the, the Orioles. Same team. It's not you're, the same you're, team. You're not the Orioles. So no. George Sisler being on this list three times. Only actually, only Cleveland Brown I know. What? He might be the only Cleveland Brown I actually you know. You mean St. Louis Brown? St. Louis Brown. Sorry, off the top of my head. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Ravens history here. Uh, one, <laughs> two. Three, four, five, six. Six times in Orioles history. Okay. Has a player accumulated a war of eight or better? Okay. For a season. <laughs> six times. You said this is hard. Yes. Okay. So Cal Ripken definitely did it. But you uh, have you have to know the years. Cal Ripken did it in eighty three and ninety one. Ooh, you were very close. You got ninety one. Eighty three wasn't it? Is it eighty four? Oh no 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 no. Cal Ripken did it in 83. That, okay. is, that is the... Oh, did Ripken do it three times? 
I guess. Um, oh, okay. So, and, and you got them all. You got them all. He did it in 91, 11.5. That's, he has okay. the top two in Orioles history. Okay. 11.5 war in 1991, which is the greatest shortstop in the history, the greatest season by a shortstop in history. Uh, and then he did it, he had a 10 war in 1980. Wow. God, that's a good player. Yeah. He had yeah. a war of 10 in 1984, and he had a war of 8.2 in 1983. Okay. Um, so that's three. You got half the list. Give me Miguel Tejada in 04. No. All right. Uh, Davis in 13. No, because you also have to factor in the war factors in defense. True. Oh, good point. Good point. Okay. I mean, Miguel Tejada was, was not he, too bad. It was not great. He wasn't like Cal Ripken good. Not Cal Ripken, no. Uh, all right, let's think. So I'm sure Machado is close, but I don't know if he ever got up to, up I think, to eight. I, think, I don't think he ever had higher than like a six and a half war. I mean, Frank Robinson would be an obvious guess. Not on this list. No. I was surprised. Really? Too. I would say like he. Okay. Um, Jim Palmer, maybe, probably not. Um, wow. Mark Belanger is a possibility at all? Not on this list either. Frank Robinson is on the list for offensive war. Okay. But his uh, defense must have been so bad because his offensive war in 1966 was 8.9, and he's not on the list for yeah. eight war. Let's give Brooks a try. We'll give Brooks. How many times and in what years? Man, uh, he played into the into the early '80s, I believe. No, no, not that late. Into the early '70s. Sorry, it early '70s. No, he, he was inducted the into the Hall 70s. of Fame in 1983. I don't know. It's been so which a, means he played to the late '70s. I'm trying to think of this. Um, I want to say, let's say '67. Close. 1968. '68. Okay. His WAR was the third best in Orioles history at 8.4. Okay. okay, that was one time. He did it that, once, or he, he did it. He more? did it. He did it twice. Okay. Uh, I'll say '71. Uh, 65. Close. 64. 1964. His war was okay. 8.1. I believe he was the MVP. Yeah, that, in, that in, may be true. In, in 1964. Uh, but I, I, could, I could be wrong. Speaking of it. 60s MVPs, Boog Pal. Is he on this list? No. You okay. have one guy <laughs> who... I'll give you a hint. He's oh, a Brady. Sec- Brady no. Anderson. Nope. Really? In his no. 50 home run season, he wasn't over 8 war. No. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So let's see, 1964. Yes, Brooks was the MVP in 1964. Let's look. Let's look into Brady Anderson. Let's see what his WAR okay. was. Okay, I feel like he had to be up there pretty, pretty high. I mean, he stole what over 20 bases that year. Played pretty solid defense out there and 50 home runs. I feel like that's somewhere in that area. And over 20 and over 20 steals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would imagine that he had a fairly high yeah WAR. So Brady Anderson in 1996 had a 6.9 WAR. Okay. Okay. Best of his career. He had gotcha. a 5.2 war in 92, and he had a 5.9 war in 99. So the other guy, All right, I'll give you up, a hint. Up, He's up, a second up. baseman. Uh, I kind of doubt it's Brian Roberts, but it, no. hey, I, yeah, I don't see that. Um, second baseman. That's interesting. That's not at all what He's I expected. A, oh, uh, Alomar. No. No? He recently had some heart issues. I believe he was a coach in the Indians organization. I should know this one then. Um, the Guardians. The Gu- I, 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 you should know the this, Cleveland honestly. Guardians. Um, second baseman, coach in the Guardians organization recently. Kind of sounds like a. This is gonna give it away, like a Dr. Seuss character. Nah, it didn't really give it away. Um, this is the last guy. Mm-hmm. Nineteen seventy-three. Oh, okay, that helps a little bit, maybe. Uh, I know, I know it. I just. Do you? Probably. I uh, probably. You know. 
heard of him at some point. Oh, there's no doubt you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Rich. Bobby Grich, 1973, had an 8 point, I put the list away, 8.2 war. Okay, Bobby, Bobby Grich. Bobby, Bobby <laughs> Grich. Bobby Grich is hell I don't know where I pulled that one out of, but. The, the Grinch, Bobby Grich. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that, now I get the, the Seuss reference. Yeah, okay. The Seuss reference. I, I can never remember, when we're always talk, I remember doing a show last year where we talked about like the best second baseman in Orioles history, and he came up, and I was like, I don't remember that him having such a great year, but I'm glad we did that show. Because now that that's kind of where I pulled it out of uh, me do, or us doing that show a long time ago. Oh, well, there you go, a long time. We've done quite a quite a few shows. We have together. We have. We're, we're entering year three together doing yep. the, doing um the bat around the bat around. So glad to have you here, my man. Glad to have you here. What was I about to look? Oh, I was going to look up the Orioles are playing today at uh six at one. They're, they're, that's right, they're playing Pittsburgh at six o'clock. Tyler Wells getting the start against Zach Zach Thompson. I'm all for Tyler Wells making the making the case for the rotation. The the, the guy. He's a bulldog out there. He has that fire. He has that tenacity. If he can go out there and give you five innings every start, maybe he can give you six or seven every now and again. The stuff's good. The fastball plays. I am so on board with him being a starter because I think you have enough arms in your bullpen. Even Brandon Hyde said the other day on the telecast, he's like, I feel like we have a lot of talent, a lot of electric arms in our bullpen, and they do. Dylan Tate. Uh, has, has looked fantastic this spring. He's been firing BBs. Felix Bautista looks good. Sionel, um Diaz. Sionel? Sionel? I think it's Sionel. Sionel. Sionel Diaz. Uh, Sionel Diaz. I, th- I think it's Sionel. Sure, it could be. Sionel Diaz. He, uh, grain of salt because it was against Yankees prospects. But he looked really good. The, his his pitches had a lot of movement on him. He looked really good. He's nice. he's, he's, he's had a good spring. Uh, we haven't even talked about the—I mean, we talked a little bit about it with Stan, but the springs that Ramon Arias, uh, uh, Richie Martin, Yusniel Diaz, and Jemai Jones are having, you're not high on Jemai Jones. I'm not high on Jemai Jones either, no. but they're all hitting well over 300. The whole uh, call-up Jemai campaign last year was a little bit weird. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because he was hitting 240 when yeah, they called I him mean, up. It was, it was it was weird. Very weird. Um. It was like, hey, this is the guy we got for Alex Cobb, so let's just talk about him constantly. Richie Martin is a former first-round draft pick. He is. Former number one overall pick in the Rule 5, which is like, you know... Means something, Means something, but doesn't mean yeah. a lot. But he's been stroking. Yeah. I mean, he's four for seven this spring with three doubles, a home run, and five RBIs. Yeah. And he, he made a hell of a play in the hole at shortstop the other day where he, he caught it on the backhand and made a leaping throw across his body that was right on the money to get the guy at first base. I'm not a big Richie Martin believer. Not at all. I'm not get. I'm trying to not let myself get fooled by his 571 on base percentage and his slugging percentage. Well, it's been what, like, seven at-bats, though? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, no. But he's hitting the ball with authority. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he, he's driving the ball with authority. Off what pitchers though? I mean, he, have it, they been major leaguers or more prospects? I think some major leaguers, some prospects, but they're guys who were in big league camp. Yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I'll take it. I I've seen enough of Richie Martin. I've right. seen I've seen enough years to know. I think what he is at this point, I've seen enough. He's at a point that he, he couldn't be worse than Ryan Flaherty. No, I guess and, not. And people yeah. love Ryan Flaherty here. Look, I'm not saying that Richie Martin should be starting at shortstop for the Orioles, but he's making a solid case for himself in Fair spring enough. training. Fair enough. I'd rather him be doing this than be hitting 137. I guess, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, speaking. I don't of know which, how much of a, of a difference it makes. Speaking of which, Cedric Mullins is off to a very Slow start. Yeah, he is. He is. He's off to. Are, are you at all concerned? No, 
No. Spring training, guys work on things, they're building up, not at all concerned. Yeah. Mookie yeah. Betts had a spring training one year where he was like oh for like a ridiculous amount for a long time. It was like over fifty or something to start it. And then he hit like he only hit like one fifteen or something in spring training. Came out and like had almost MVP year. So yeah, I'm not concerned. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, guys, that's gonna do it for us here on the Batter Round. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for joining us for his weekly segment. Thanks as always to Rich Dubrawl from BaltimoreBaseball.com. Go read their. Co- if you're not reading BaltimoreBaseball.com, I don't know what you're doing. You're missing out. Um, thank you to Zach. You can follow him at, at ZGoodman20. That's correct. On Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Paul Valley the Third. Uh, we do have a show Twitter handle at the Batter Round. We don't interact much on no. it. But if you want to go follow it and you want me to interact more, I'll do that for we'll you. We'll have to start so, using it a little yeah, more. Yeah, why not? Why, why not? Why the hell not? Guys, next week's episode. I'm trying to get a guest. I don't know that we need one. There's well, a lot to talk about. Next week's episode about. is our last episode before the regular season starts. So it's going to be our Major League Baseball and Orioles preview. I think I, we should just do the whole show by ourselves. I, I, have I that Well, we're going to have Stan. Stan, of course. We're, we're, we're going to have Stan. That's a given. I, I may try to get a guest. Um, maybe we'll have Ryan Blake on. That'd we'll have fun. Ryan Blake on. He can play in he, studio if you want. I, I asked him to come in studio. He can't. Okay. Um... Maybe I'll maybe we'll get him on for 10, 15 minutes just to talk about the season and talk about what he's looking forward to. I think that maybe that's the direction we'll go in. But it's going to be our big Major League Baseball and Orioles preview show. Yes, Take sir. to Rake is back yeah. next Saturday. I think Zach probably forgot about that. Take to Rake, it's only going to be one game, but yeah. we did it last year. Take to Rake is back next Saturday. Until then, see ya!